0: Beep,
1: Coming. bienvenue, konnichiwa, it's time for the Amish Inquisition yet again, episode uh, 147 on Sunday the 30th of August, I'm Amish Phil, I'm Amish Ben, and I'm Amish Matt, and uh, tonight's guest is an award-winning travel blogger, journalist and photographer, uh, he's the man behind everythingeverywhere.com and the host of his podcast, Everything Everywhere Daily, links as usual will be in the descriptions. Uh, the episode descriptions for all that. So uh, Gary Arndt, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks. Uh, One small correction. My website is everything-everywhere.com, which is important because as you're British, you know there was a phone company called Everything Everywhere. And they had the non-DASH version of the domain name. And I remember this was in 2010 when Orange and T-Mobile announced they were going to merge. I got about 100 emails (laughs) I was walking around Barcelona. Oh, you're going to be so rich! They're going to buy you out, and nothing ever happened. Uh, I looked into it with like an intellectual property attorney, and basically, it's like, well, they're in a different business in a different country. There's nothing you can do, and then they stopped using it. So,
3: yeah. oh man! <laughs> so at least I know what EE stands for now.
2: Yeah, that, that's what it is. Uh, I'm waiting for the day they forget to uh, renew their domain. The t- I had a lot of people like linking to my website and visiting me all of a sudden, and the number of searches. I, I had people leaving nasty messages on my Facebook page, complaining about the service. And I was like, "Not, not me, not a phone company."
1: Oh my god! Uh, I was reading your your biog earlier off, off your website, and you sound a bit like a modern day Herodotus sort of traveling the world and reporting on what's going on.
2: Yeah, so uh, what happened is I I had an internet company in the 90s, and I sold it before the dot-com bubble burst. I uh, went back to school, did some other things, started some other businesses, didn't know what to do. And then I came up with the idea of uh, selling my house and traveling around the world for a year. And one year kind of turned into 13, and I just kind of never stopped. And uh, so, yeah, when I started, I, I had a website, and I just started posting a lot of my thoughts about the places I was visiting. And when I started, I also went to a lot of weird places. So when a lot of people travel around the world. They kind of have a, you know, it's, it's major cities. They go to Sydney, Bangkok, Hong Kong, you know, London, Los Angeles, major cities of the world. And I was going, it took me six months to cross the Pacific Ocean. I was going to Tonga, Samoa, uh, you know, Vanuatu, places like that. And I think that kind of uh, got me a following. And then I just sort of never stopped. I just kind of kept going
1: yeah it's um, something a lot of people dream of, isn't it? sort of leaving the rat race behind and um, living life on their own terms. It's um something that a lot of people dream about, and they never really
2: realize that dream. More people are doing it. Uh, there's been a huge change since when I started. When I started, I could tell you like most of the people that were doing what I was doing because there weren't many, and then it just exploded. and now, you know there are so many things so many jobs that you can do anywhere. And a lot of this is, you know, the, the pandemic has caused a lot of people to kind of wake up to this. You know, why am I paying high rents in places like San Francisco, New York or London when the amount of money I make is not dependent upon where I live and I can make a lot more money if I spend less on rent and food by living somewhere else. And I think you're going to see a lot more people that maybe take, you know, six months to a year. And go live somewhere and a lot of countries are wising up to this fact and they're offering visas now so i think estonia georgia and barbados uh you can now basically show up for a full year and just live there if you want
1: right without getting a a, a, like a work visa or a permit system was it before
2: yeah except you're not working there so the problem that most countries have is they don't want someone coming in and then taking jobs from locals but if you're working online then you're not taking anyone's job. You're just pumping money into the economy, and you're just like a long-term tourist. And I think that's what a lot of countries are waking up to and why they're more open to this now.
1: It's funny you're talking about the sort of um, people living either in or within striking distance of all the major cities. There's been um, a major infrastructure project in this country called HS2, um, high-speed rail, which has been rumbling along for about the last decade and it's to do with high-speed rail between uh, joining up London and Birmingham and uh, you wonder why that why they're even bothering now because so many people are, like say are working online and with things like zoom you wonder if this thing's going to be redundant before they've even cut the ribbon and opened it
2: I still think I mean if, for a place like England you're you know what's the train time from you know Birmingham to London now a couple hours yeah I think yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what people are commuting, you know, in the U.S. by car in some places. It's a bit ridiculous. But I think in the, in the case of the U.K., you have one city that just overwhelms, you know, it's the cultural, economic and political capital. Um, so it probably is more important to have easy access to as much of the country as possible. In the U.S., we're way bigger. Uh, and those things are all divided up. So we have, mm. you know, New York, which is kind of the finance capital. We got Washington, which is a political capital. We have uh, a technical capital, kind of in San Francisco. We have a cultural one, sort of in Los Angeles, and and things split up. So uh, it's maybe not as important.
1: That's an interesting point. I, that never occurred to me before. That other countries are different to us in <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously are different, but just in the in the geography and the way that they're laid out. Because you could you could make the same. Argument with Germany, you know, you've got um, what's the it's um f- 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 the main financial center, Frankfurt. It's Frankfurt, yeah. It's not right. the capital. And then, yeah,
2: different different countries are are weird that way. Like Paris is pretty much the city in France. You know, everything is centered around Paris. Germany is not that way. Um, Italy does not have a single. You know, uh, Milan is kind of you know important for fashion and a lot of business, and you'll find that in Northern Italy, whereas Rome is the political and, you know, obviously the Vatican historical capital. Um, yeah, there's there's actually kind of a an academic field that kind of is around this, where you have one dominant city in a country.
4: Right. I mean, to me, it sounds like we're just putting all our eggs in one basket, really. And, and there is a, a bit of, um, you know, grumbling and not descent towards London, but there's a there's a bit of bad feeling towards the fact that that everything is focused around London, especially mm-hmm. up up in the north where we are. They talk of a, a like a north south divide. Um, yeah. I wouldn't say it's as bad as all that, but there's definitely some envy, some benefit, yeah, some envy. I, I'd say there's some benefit to having these these multi uh, multiple areas of uh, you know with capitals for for different. Um, you know, areas of society
2: really, rather than having everything in, in one place. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of these things happen organically, uh, and in the case, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that one, you're an island, and two, it's it's you know, geographically not that large, so it's kind of easy for one place to die. It probably wasn't as as big, say, in the 19th century when you had uh, places like you know, uh, a Manchester, uh, which was like an industrial center. Uh, that didn't really exist in London. Uh, but as things have, you know, into the 20th century, it's probably gotten more concentrated around London.
1: Yeah, well, we're, we're in Preston and that was huge for the cotton industry back in those days in the Victorian era. Um, but obviously in, in in recent history, all those industrial heartlands have, have sort of died away and, well, the whole, the way we live and our society's changed, it, it, you know, immensely since that time and things move on and you've got to, with the times or left behind you'll get left behind
0: yeah
2: but it's true in a lot of places you know everyone in i will not say everyone but a lot of people in the u.s just as a general rule hate people from new york and (laughs) in canada everybody hates toronto and i think this is something that you see in a lot of places where either you're from the city or you're not and if you're from that city you look down on everyone else because, you know, you obviously live there. Everyone in New Yorks thinks that they're great. I remember when I was at university, there was this one girl was from New York. And, and everything, the water was better in New York. The cookies <laughs> were better in New York. The pizza was better in New York. And we're just like, well, why the hell did you leave? So <laughs> and everyone else, who if you're not from there, thinks the people who are there are assholes. So <laughs> I think it's kind of universal. I've seen it all over the world.
1: Wow. Yeah. Um you were talking earlier about you know when you first started traveling that you were going to places sort of off the beaten track. What are, what are some of like the the hidden gems that you've found that a lot of people maybe aren't familiar with?
2: Oh, there's so many. Uh one of the things that I always hammer home is that um over tourism has had become a big problem. Well, prior to the pandemic, now it's not, but uh everybody visits the same place. So you go to a place like Venice. And it's just packed with people. But you go 20 minutes outside of Venice. I mean, you literally can get on a train in Venice and be in Padua 20 minutes later. There's nobody there. And it's it's a fantastic city to visit. You know, I think it's like 90% of the visitors to the UK go to London and then they never leave. They don't visit anywhere else. And uh, there are a lot of fantastic uh, places like that around the world. One of the best national parks I've ever been to is Nahani National Park which I'm guessing you've never even heard of. And that is in Northern Canada. And the reason I mean, most Canadians have never heard of it. And the reason is because it gets 800 visitors a year. There are no roads connecting the park to the outside world yet. It's absolutely amazing as one of the largest waterfalls in the world. And um, in terms of volume, it is, has spectacular canyons, amazing mountains, uh, real Lord of the Rings type stuff when you're there <laughs> and, it, it's completely unknown to most people. And there's a lot of places like that. Um, we, you know, cruise ships are responsible for a lot of the overtourism because they're visiting places that have ports yeah. and as a general rule, not universal. Uh, but if, if, if there's not an international airport or a cruise terminal, a lot of people just don't visit. So, you know, I remember going through the Czech Republic and everybody goes to Prague, fine city nothing against Prague, except that there's just a ton of people there. But if you go outside of Prague and you go to, you know, even Chesky Krumlov is is kind of uh, getting real popular, but there's a lot of other great towns that just don't get the tourists. And mm-hmm. I think it's a matter of just kind of going to those places and being a bit more adventurous.
1: Right. When, when you set off, say you were going to a country that you hadn't visited before, would you do your research before and sort of try and find these places that or relatively unknown, or would you literally just go? And then when you get there, think, right, I'm going to go that way. I just go.
2: Yeah. I mean, I might do a little bit of research, but for the most part, you show up and you talk to people. And, you know, I don't stay at really expensive hotels or anything because I I think it's a waste of money to be spending, you know, a lot in a place where you're going to spend most of your time unconscious. So, you know, (laughs) what's the point? And when you stay at nicer hotels, you tend to meet fewer people. If you're staying at a hostel or something, you're going to spend less money and you're also going to be talking to people and you're going to be meeting people who are traveling who are probably just where you're going to go. And so they'll probably have the best advice as to the conditions at that moment. And they'll also be able to tell you, oh yeah, you should go see this thing and this thing. And um, yeah, one of my, one of my adages is, you know, the ability to adapt is always more important than the ability to plan. My plan when I started traveling was go West and that was it. I was just, you know, I, I, I literally took a train to Los Angeles, which was horrible. Don't, don't ever take a train in the United States. It's a <laughs> horrible experience. I went to Hawaii. And then from there I went to Tahiti, Easter Island, uh, the cook islands, New Zealand, Tonga, Samoa, Fiji. And I just sort of did some Island hopping through the region. And it was very difficult to even make a plan because in the guidebooks, some of the airlines that were listed went out of business. Uh, Routes were changing all the time. So I really kind of had to make it up as I was going along. Wow.
4: Have you been, um, I mean, you've been to England, I I imagine, and you said earlier about um, most people just going to
2: London. Where, Where did you go when you came over here? I usually end up going to England about once a year. So the, what I've done is that there's, there's, a big event called world travel market in London at the Excel center. So what I would do for years is take a side trip somewhere in England. And I've been kind of just working on, uh, bits and pieces. So I went to Cornwall, I went down to Devon, um, I went to Canterbury bath, uh, Liverpool like that. So the, the, kind of the next place I'm going to be going is sort of Northern England and the Midlands. That's sort of the next place, uh, the, the Lake district I haven't been to. Um, and a lot of the the, the cities kind of up there. So that's sort of the next place. You'll have to uh, let us know when you, when you're over, you can come in for a cup of tea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. I mean, I, it's really weird. I've done all, several podcast interviews in the last month and I think, uh, three of them have been with podcasts out of people in Northern England. Wow, and I don't know what's in the water there, or, or more likely the beer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's the black sheep, the black sheep <laughs> ale, I think. Uh, I can definitely recommend the Lake District. It's one of my favourite mm-hmm. places to go. We go, we go, we take vacation there near enough every year. It's a beautiful place to to visit, and Northumbria as
3: well. You've never been that far up. Really nice place to go. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, new. I've
2: been to, I was in Scotland briefly, and I sort of kind of just jumped over it. Um, But actually when when I did that, I was doing a trip where I I went from the Isle of Man. uh, I flew to Glasgow and this was my first introduction to how weird British currency is because (laughs) I went to an ATM machine on the Isle of Man. I took out 200 pounds, didn't even think about it, put it in my wallet, didn't look at it. I go to Glasgow and I was going to a movie theater and I take out a 20 pound note and they say, we can't accept this. And I go, why not? And then I looked at it, and it was an Isle of Man 20-pound note, (laughs) which I guess is a different thing. And then I learned that they don't even accept Scottish notes in England or sometimes Northern Ireland. So what I've begun doing is I've been to, like, most of the British territories. So I've been to St. Helena, I've been to the Falklands, I've been to Gibraltar, and they all have their own currency. And I've been collecting... Uh, various like five, ten pound notes from these places. And what I want to do is I want to record a video for YouTube in England at some point where I go to a pub or something and I try paying <laughs> and I'm going to go through an Isle of Man, Gibraltar, Falkland Islands, St. <laughs> Helena, uh, yeah. Scottish, every pound note I can, I am just going to have a ton of them in my wallet and get them all rejected before finally going to a bank of England one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, it's quite a strange uh thing that I, I Man's famously a tax haven I think isn't it yeah it is
2: yeah it's uh it has the same status as like Jersey and Guernsey who I've also been to and they have their own notes <laughs> uh, they are not part of the UK but they're not a territory they're a crown colony so they're directly you know under the crown but the UK is kind of responsible for them so they're like this, you know, cousin that you never see, but you're still paying for.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of these, um, I suppose the the hangovers from the empire days, aren't they? When uh, Britain had an empire and we had these
2: foreign... Yeah, like- I actually just did a podcast on it uh, where I went through all the uh, the imperial leftovers, like the crumbs that are, that are still there that are too small to become independent. <laughs> <laughs> they good- also tend to be the most expensive ones you had to pay for. <laughs>
1: That's a good point. You should tell us about the podcast because obviously you're on a podcast and people might listen to uh,
2: it. Yeah, so if you if you go to listen, listen to most travel podcasts, it's all about you know go go to this place or it's about hotels and flights or frequent flyer programs, and that's great, but that's not why we fly, you know. With with all the restriction on travel recently, like there's been articles I've seen where this company is offering you, oh, you can go get a flight experience. And basically they have this thing where you sit in a chair like on an airplane for several hours and then they feed you food like on an airplane. I'm like, this is the dumbest thing in the world. All you got to do is get an uncomfortable chair, put it in a closet and eat a TV dinner. And that's flying. You don't (laughs) need to to pay money for this. (laughs) To me, travel has always been learning about new stuff going to two places and, you know, learning about their history, learning about how they operate. And so the podcast was um, I couldn't travel and I had this idea in the back of my head. So what I did is I launched a daily podcast. It's a daily scripted show. The episodes are pretty short and I talk about all sorts of different stuff. Uh, much of it I learned on my travels. So the show I just finished recording uh, a few hours ago was talking about the common origins of rugby, association football, and American football, and by extension, Australian football, Gaelic football, uh, and everything else, how there really is this common proto-sport that existed prior to codifying rules in the 19th century that they all actually originate from. And association football said, you can't carry the ball. And then you know rugby said, no, you can carry the ball and then they tried playing rugby in the US and they're like no 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 we're going to do our own rules to it and then that became american football and then the australians kind of they were on the other end of the world so they didn't know what the hell was going on so they made their own sport and then the irish were like we don't want to do what the english do so they made their own sport but it all had this 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 you know proto sport it was probably closest to rugby more than anything else but each town may have even had their own version of football that basically consisted of there was a ball, here's a goal, get the ball in the goal, and this other team will stop you. And, you know, the early, the, we don't have, there were no real reports of what the rules were other than the fact of people commenting that this early game was really violent, which is probably <laughs> it's more like rugby. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I read yeah. somewhere once that um, the, the ancient Mayan civilization had some sort of form of football, but they used to play with people's
2: heads. Uh, it was more like a basketball, actually. You Isn't can go to certain uh, Mayan ruins. So I remember seeing it in Copan, and I think they have a place in, not Tulum, maybe it's in Coba, which is in the Yucatan Peninsula. And it was a, like, a type of court, and they had a stone ring. Mm. And, yeah, you would have to go. Get the ball through the ring, and the ring wasn't horizontal like a basketball hoop. It was like vertical, and uh, supposedly, yeah, the the losing team would get that killed was or something. The
1: losing team, that was it, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Big into you talk human about sacrifice. Relegation.
0: <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you talk about high stakes, cracky.
3: Mm. I was just going to ask you as well, Gary. Just going back to sort of right at the beginning, we were talking about your running your business. Um, do you notice now? Do you feel I suppose, are you less stressed traveling around the world, doing your podcast, doing all this kind of thing, your photography, as compared to running your business and things like that?
2: No, the last three months have been horrible. Um, <laughs> you know, the travel industry has basically evaporated, hmm. something I never, ever would have thought would have happened. You know, travel is and tourism is one of the largest industries in the world. I think a lot of people aren't aware of that, that, Um, you know, it's on a par with things like energy and agriculture. That's how big it is. And people buying travel and people selling travel have both disappeared. So like my income disappeared, like 98% of it just gone. Mm -hmm. Um, and as I mentioned before the show started, I lived in Minneapolis, which I'm guessing most of you have never even maybe heard of um, most people in the world, you know, if, if you heard of it, it's because Prince was from there. Yeah. Um, and I lived one block off Lake street, which mm. is where everything was happening. Right. And you know, I was, I was going out of my house every day and you know, Oh, well that burned down. That's, mm. you know, everything here was destroyed. Uh, so between those two things happening, yeah, the last couple of months have really sucked. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, the podcast has been something that I've been able to focus on and that's been fun. And it's gotten a lot of a really good reaction so far, uh, you know, from people that just want to they want to learn stuff. And the whole point of the show is that it's really random that you're going to have completely different episodes about stuff every single day. Um, I just did the, the episode before that was about a woman who just died in May and she was the last person to receive a pension from the U.S. Civil War.
5: Oh, yeah.
2: Which it was over like 160 years ago. And what happened is her father had her in 1930 when he was 83 years old. <laughs> he was a Civil War veteran. Oh she God. lived to the age of 90 and got his pension, which was $73.13. <laughs> never ingested for inflation. And she began getting it in 1938 and got it all the way through the year 2020. Um, I did one show similar to that about President John Tyler, who was the, I think, the 13th U.S. president, was born in the year 1790, 230 years ago. He has two living grandchildren today. Oh, my! Uh, yes. I've read the notes. Yeah. About. So you immediately start trying to do the math in yeah. your head. And basically, it was a similar deal. He had children very late in life. And then mm-hmm. his children had he had a child that had children very late in life. And then those children are lived to be in their nineties. Um, so yeah, they're alive today. And their grandpa was born 230 years ago. <laughs> the, I think and that, that, There's another show I haven't done yet, but there's a woman in <laughs> Romania who was a grandmother at the age of 23.
1: <laughs> that's the other that's end of the insane. spectrum, isn't it?
2: Right. Oh,
1: God. I think the, uh, the oldest man on the planet died this week. I think, was it, was it? Yeah. Unfortunately,
2: that's always happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if they do it there, but like a lot of the radio station, the morning shows, uh, they always do a thing called the Deadpool. Every year, <laughs> yeah. Where it's like a draft and you pick people who you think are going to die. Mm. And you get more points the younger they are. Oh. So if you pick, like, you know, the oldest man in the world, that that's not going to get you a lot of points. <laughs> and then, so it's like a fantasy football type thing, but. For people dying, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, Again, the oldest man in the world to get you not many points.
1: You're obviously very much into your history, and um, I was listening to the, your English longbow podcast um, the other day, so I, I think it's definitely people who like history. It's the, the little bite-sized, you know, ten fifteen-minute episodes, and you're going to learn something, and that's valuable for, to people.
2: Hmm. Yeah, it's it's you know, uh, the longbow is really hard to to master which is why most countries in Europe never bothered with it. But because England was an island, uh, you know, a lot of the Kings basically just dictated, okay, everyone's going to learn how to shoot the bow. And they had this enormous population of people that they could draw from um, to create standing armies. And in the hundred year war up until the invention of cannons, it worked great that they could just, you know, get a whole bunch of unskilled people where well, they were skilled in so far as they could shoot a bow and then just launch arrows at the French and wipe them out by the bushel. And, um, you know, they had a period of time where they were, they were just kicking ass uh, with the longbow.
6: Yeah,
1: it's like and a they... lot of
2: English mercenaries were hired all over Europe because of that.
1: Right, really? Well, it's mm-hmm. similar to the the horse, arch- horse archers of the steppe, you know, the Mongols and the, all the precursors and subsequent uh, steppe peoples, you know, they were, they were the archers. And, and again, they were hired out as mercenaries from ancient times again right pretty much up until the invention of gunpowder it
2: took before they could be subdued i did an uh, an episode on the stirrup which i said was the greatest simplest invention ever so like the the ancient romans never had stirrups no. and if you think about it it's a super easy thing um but they never had it but it was the stirrup that allowed people to shoot from a bow and also allowed for heavy mounted cavalry but yeah when the when you had light um cavalry like that they just slaughtered anyone that they came across. And I have a future episode I'm going to do about the horse in North America, how a lot of people don't realize that you think of American Indians on horseback, but they didn't have horses. The horses came from the Spanish, actually. And the one of the greatest light cavalry civilizations ever were the Comanche Indians, who went from never having seen a horse in a few generations to being the greatest light cavalry in the world. And it's not like they had someone from Mongolia come over to teach it to them. <laughs> they figured it all out on their own. Wow. And it was incredible.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean, like the Mongols, I think that, I think you were put on a horse at four years old and you were given a bow as soon as you had the strength to draw it back. I mean, it's it, from early childhood, you were sort of put in this program and this was going to be your way of life.
2: Yeah, I, I've done a lot of research on the Mongols, and it was fascinating. Uh, not only did they have a a warrior system like that, kind of like the Spartans, but because they were nomadic, you couldn't conquer them. You couldn't just walk into their capital city because there was no capital city. Yeah, they just move. So, like, what are you going to do?
1: Yeah, the Chinese had to, they, they they tried every tactic they could to try and keep them separate and keep them warring with each other because the the one thing they really feared was someone like Genghis Khan coming and uniting all the tribes. And then that was, that was uh, curtains for them then pretty much. Wasn't it?
2: Yeah. He has a remarkable story. I mean, if there's anyone in the world that went from a true low, like where he literally had nothing and was hiding in a ditch with his mom to the ultimate high of controlling most, you know, the biggest empire, you know, the world at the time it's Genghis Khan. Um, I have a couple of potential episodes in the future, one of which is his grave and no one knows where it yeah, is. Yeah. It was one of those things where they, they buried his body in a secret spot and then all the people that buried him, they killed. Yeah. So they couldn't tell it. And then.
1: What, what do you think was the reason for that? Because if you think of other, like you can, I think you can still go to Cyrus the Great's grave and various other conquerors. What, do you know why they they kept it hidden, Genghis Khan? A break? Mongol thing,
2: I think, uh, that you just didn't know where someone was buried, so it's hidden. Um, like a protection you know, to it, it, uh, protect his. There's bones. not a big monument or anything. It was just a tomb that they created and they buried.
1: Yeah, yeah, just a cultural thing, I guess. Maybe yeah. a, a superstition. It's, um, uh, we love our history on this podcast. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you was, you know, you've been you've obviously been to loads of amazing ancient sites and and whatnot what what have been some of the sort of man-made constructions that have really blown you away
2: okay there's one in wales that i really love and i can't pronounce it because it's welsh um <laughs> it's the Either can we <laughs> aqueduct it's like an aqueduct that's 200 feet it that, that goes over this valley floor that was designed for barges and it was built in the the 18th century and it's it's really cool. And today you can, you know, rent a kayak and paddle over it and look down on the land while you're in a boat. Wow. Um, it was considered one of the wonders of the world at the time and, and for good reason. Uh, a lot of the historical buildings, I'm doing a series of those, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem, fascinating building, not very beautiful. You know, if you, if you consider cathedrals in Europe, but, you know, it's split between five different churches and they get in fights all the time and they can never agree on anything. So the whole place is kind of a shithole that they've let fall apart over the centuries. And what a lot of people don't know is that, you know, ostensibly it's the most holy site in Christendom. Uh, the keys to the building are actually have been held by a Muslim family for a thousand years because they, the Christians can't agree amongst themselves who would get the keys. So... <laughs> Yeah, uh, you go it Sophia in in Istanbul I think is a really interesting building. A lot of skyscrapers and stuff too I've always been kind of interested and fascinated by uh you're going to there's some outside of the US I think the the Burj Khalifa in Dubai uh you know, I've always been fascinated by by big buildings, and there was always this debate. It's like, well, you know, this is the biggest building, but this is a little bit bigger because there's a spire on it, and then there's this radio tower which is a little bit bigger. And then the Burj Khalifa just wiped all those records away because it's the biggest anything in any category, no matter what. Wow, really?
1: Mm-hmm. Have you um, have you ever been to Baalbek in Lebanon?
2: I have not. Uh, I just haven't gotten there. I've been. Just over the border in Israel and stuff. But uh, Baalbek I- is one of the places I want to go. <laughs> Leptis Magna in Libya. Right. It's really one of the best preserved Roman ruins that you can visit because um, it's in the desert. Jerash uh, in Jordan is another uh, great one That's a was a Roman city uh, that was established.
1: Right, because most people just think of Petra, don't they? And probably don't visit anywhere else. I- I've never heard of that place before.
2: Oh yeah. Jerash is, is really cool. There's a lot of great stuff in Jordan and it's all pretty easy to visit because it's a pretty small country. Um, Wadi Rum is another great one. Uh, if you've ever seen Lawrence of Arabia, uh, it was shot in Wadi Rum and the new Dune movie that's coming out, <laughs> which the trailer should be dropping soon. That was sh- all the, the Duraka scenes were shot in Wadi Rum as well. Um, and I actually got to spend a couple nights out in the desert in a Bedouin camp and, uh, fantastic experience absolutely great
1: um i suppose uh, the problem with a lot of these like a uh, really ancient sites in the near east is, is it, it can be so volatile in a lot of these countries
2: it's not as bad as you think um one of the problems we have is we only hear bad news when we hear about a place at all and the example i always give is you know when i ask people what comes up when you think of colombia the country of colombia <laughs> everyone says drug lords <laughs> That was yeah. in the 80s. You know, that's a long time. The problem is nothing has replaced that image. It's not like there was a story on the news that says, "By the way, Colombia's great now. Problem <laughs> solved." You know, this is Colombia. That just—that's not how it works. So, like Jordan has never had uh, huge amounts of terrorists. They've never had a civil war. Uh, it's a solid middle-class Middle Eastern country. It's not dysfunctional. It's not super rich, like you're going to have in the Gulf States, like in in the UAE or Qatar or any place like that. And it has a lot of these great historical attractions. And, uh, there, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I think, you know, Petra does get a lot of the attention and a lot of the visitors to Petra are actually doing day trips over the border from Israel. Uh, but I think it's worthwhile, uh, just going to Jordan on its own. I think the Jordanian side of the Dead Sea is better than the Israeli side. Um, and the Dead Sea is a great place to go be next to. Floating in the Dead Sea sucks ass. (laughs) Don't do it. If you have the slightest nick or cut or anything Mm. on your body, you are going to be in horrible pain, and awkwardly floating is something which is interesting for about 30 seconds, and then you're like, because you you can't swim. (laughs) I mean, Mm. you could swim, but if any of that water gets in your mouth or in your eyes, it's horrible. I was on the shore of the Dead Sea and I saw this salt encrusted rock and I thought, oh, that's interesting. So I bent down to pick it up and it slipped out of my hand and the water splashed up and a drop of water hit me in the eye and I couldn't <laughs> see out of my eye for like five minutes because it was so salty. <laughs> but being down there is cool because there's actually like 10% more oxygen and a lot of the UV rays don't penetrate that far down so it's a great place to like uh just kind of be outside and and to be that you know Mm -hmm. far below sea level
1: oh yeah i I was just gonna say that's the reason why it's um full of salt isn't it because it's so far below sea level
2: yeah it's well it's evaporating yeah and it's evaporating quickly it's dropping like a meter a year i think uh or more um yeah, I, I did an episode of my podcast about this uh, idea called Atlantropa, with it, which this German engineer had. And what he wanted to do was basically turn the Mediterranean into the Dead Sea and create an enormous dam at the Strait of Gibraltar, which would power all of Europe, and then let the sea level drop by 100 meters, and then build a second one between Sicily and Tunisia, and let the, the eastern half drop another 100 meters. Crazy plan. Absolutely <laughs> bonkers. But... Uh, <laughs> really interesting that they would <laughs> if you've ever seen the net uh, the amazon series the man in the high castle which is yeah, this yeah. alt history of you know if the nazis won the war in the background of one of their shots of the map of the world they have that the nazis built this <laughs> so
1: and that's where the was it a, a nazi who came up with this idea
2: he was a german and I think he said the Nazis. same thing, that in it. There were a lot of Germans that weren't Nazis. Oh, right, I think okay. It was one of those deals where he may have joined the party to, to try to get his idea uh, adopted or something.
1: Mm. Right. So, Cracky. That's ambitious for that period of time,
2: isn't it? Oh yeah. I mean, mm. you got to hand it to him in balls and nothing else. You know? <laughs> I'm dam up the Mediterranean. And the thing is with a dam, you're usually damming a river, right? Yeah. And so yeah. the, the water flows downhill. Well, Mm. with the Mediterranean, it's already at sea level. So it's not like you're damming, you know, you have one, each side is going (laughs) to be the exact same level of water. It's required by the fact that the Mediterranean evaporates a lot of water. And several million years ago, it actually did evaporate, uh, which is why there are these enormous salt deposits around there. And basically, when, when geologists discovered this, that's where the idea for this project was born, was just recreating it
1: right what well, when did it evaporate how long ago
2: i want to say it was like maybe f- five million years ago oh, all right so before um, before humans this enormous event you know the sea levels were a lot lower than they used to be um i think like a hundred feet less uh maybe ten thousand years ago 400 feet less this is um before before the younger Dryas, isn't it Um, yeah uh, um there was a a a tsunami that occurred in southern or in southern india and when a tsunami occurs the water first goes out and a lot of the the seafloor is exposed and evidently people saw structures there that they that they otherwise had never seen before before the water came in and killed everyone um
1: yeah this is um a a budding new field of archaeology isn't it um going into uh, sort of just off coast Um they're finding stuff all over the place um gunung padang is it in, in indonesia i
2: want to say well yeah i mean if you are you familiar with graham hancock uh yeah so i a lot of his particular ideas i don't know if i i buy but i certainly buy his big picture idea which is that civilization is older than we think several thousand years and like gobeki Tempe in 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 turkey and these places are showing that it's true and the only reason we ever thought it was like six thousand years old is because that's the oldest stuff we found Um, but when you realize that the sea levels were lower and that most human beings live near the sea when they rose it's natural to assume that a lot of these places were destroyed and it also makes it explains the story of the flood which is the one story which seems to exist in almost every culture yeah this is
1: something we've we've heard from several guests now isn't it yeah. about the u- ubiquitousness is that even a word ubiquitousness yeah of the no. uh, of the flood myth no. you know ubiquity where, ubiquity that's that's more eloquent thank you matthew ubiquity nothing. of the flood myth yeah <laughs> whether whether you're talking about um not enki what's it called um the sumerian one gilgamesh epic of gilgamesh or you know, there's Noah's flood or what have you. In fact, um, was it George? We're talking to George Howard, weren't he? And, and he was talking about they could have found the um, biblical Sodom uh, somewhere in the Holy Land near Jericho, I think. And um, like the, thing, I love the thing uh, Graham Hancock says. He says stuff just keeps getting older. And uh, like I said, well, you said, men- you mentioned Gebekli Tepe. That seems
2: to be pretty much the oldest thing we've found as far as civilization goes. As far as, like, you know, yeah, large structures. Yeah. Um, in the Americas, you know, the, the idea was, well, humans came here about 20,000 years ago, roughly when the, the Bering Land Bridge. And we keep finding stuff that's older, <laughs> which is, you know, leading people to believe that there may have been multiple incursions of humans into this area. Um. But yeah, it's all dependent upon, and it's it's been tough to, to get ac- academics to accept this because you know once you accept this certain model, it becomes very difficult for people to go against that grain before they're you know they're ridiculed professionally. But I think the evidence is getting to a point where people now have to accept that it's older than that.
1: Well, I think Graham Hancock is is last book, America before said that a lot of the archeologists, they never in America, in North America, they never even bothered digging down below a certain level because they assume that there's nothing to find. And that's part of this academic uh, bias is probably the wrong word, but, um, you know, the, the, uh, you know, you, you go to school and you, and you're taught certain things and these things are held to be true. And it takes courage to go against that training and, question it and and stick your neck out doesn't it
2: before i started traveling i actually went back to school so i was in my 30s and uh i went back and i studied geology and geophysics for a couple of years and the classic example in that was the theory of uh, continental drift so continental well, which continental drift by the way was proven to be wrong but it was, it had the right idea that continents were moving. And the original idea was that it was floating on top of this other layer of like oceanic crust, which was not true, but plate tectonics, the theory that, you know, eventually replaced it, which was true. Uh, it had a lot of resistance for a long time because one of the, the central tenets in geology is that things change slowly, right? Gradualism. Yeah. And that, that idea that, you know, uh, this also has to do with uh, what's what's the guy's name randall Carlson. yeah he's talking about the scab lands in eastern washington state and how this was created through a, a cataclysm and and for the most part things in geology do move slow but that doesn't mean that occasionally something big can't happen you know there's a volcanic eruption uh, i don't know if you've ever been to washington state but where like mount st helens was that completely changed overnight you know, one day the mountain erupted and then these valleys were filled with mud and everything was destroyed. So it certainly can't happen. And uh, this idea of this, um, you know, glacial lake that burst somewhere over Canada, I think there's a lot more evidence, you know, people are coming around to that idea as well now.
1: Yeah. Is it the Missoula floods,
2: is it called? Uh, Yeah, it could be. If that's Missoula is in Montana so oh, right. that's kind of, they usually name that stuff after a region so I think the, the ice caps would have come down that far so maybe that was like where it broke or something.
1: Yeah because I think the prevailing theory was that there was sort of ice dams holding back this water and then um, they call it melt water pulse A and meltwater pulse B or something and, and that eventually these dams broke and that caused the floods whereas Randall is one of these proponents of an impact on or several impacts on the
2: Ice sheets, the Laurentide and the the other one, I can't remember. And that this there's is a what place in it. Argentina where you can actually witness this. That ha- it happens every, uh, well, I'd say maybe once a decade, months every other decade. There's this in Los Glaciares National Park in El Calafate. There's this glacier that keeps advancing, and it advances into this lake, and then it eventually abuts this this land the lake has two lobes. So when the glacier hits the land, it closes off the flow of water between the two lobes and the water on one side starts to rise causing pressure. And eventually it breaks the glacier in a cataclysmic fashion. And I think it was like 1998 was the last time this happened. And they had news reports and they had their cameras there and they were covering this live waiting for the ice to break. And it eventually did. And they, they were able to record it. Um, but yeah, it was basically that on a massive scale. Hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah, because I mean, I mean, all of Canada, I think, and and a lot, a big chunk of North America was covered in in ice twelve thousand
2: years ago. Oh, the place I I live right now in Wisconsin, uh, there's a whole area here called the Moraine District, which was the terminal point of the Ice Age, and we have a trail that goes through the state. It's about a thousand miles long because it's really windy. That's called the Ice Age Trail, and it basically follows the terminal point of the Ice Age through the state.
1: Wow! Joe, oh. so, you know, I, I love these theories about ancient civilizations, and like you were talking about, maybe there was multiple where, uh, passages of ingress into the United States, maybe by boat, maybe to the south, and you know, because everyone seems to think it it was the Bering Land Bridge where people migrated and. There's just so many mysteries, and that's what makes it so interesting, isn't it? And we
2: don't well, have all uh, the answers. If you, ever, if you ever want to visit a cool place, Leonx-en-Meadow is at the northernmost tip of the island of Newfoundland in, in Canada. Mm-hmm. And we know for certain that a 1,000 years ago, Vikings made it to Newfoundland, and they established a colony there. We found the evidence. Uh, you know, we found – and one of the – I don't know if it's true or if it's just a good story – When the Vikings first came there, they had the settlement. I think it lasted a couple decades before it collapsed. They would trade with the local uh, Indians. And at one point they traded with them some cheese. Now, the Native Americans never really ate dairy products. So they didn't have the ability to uh, digest lactose properly. And so they got real sick when they ate the cheese and they thought that they were being poisoned by the Europeans. And so that actually started a conflict with them. And I heard it was one of the reasons that the colony eventually didn't work was due to lactose intolerance.
6: <laughs>
2: wow. Yeah, I mean,
1: it, it, it depends what you're adapted to, doesn't it, you see? I mean, it, since sort of the dawn of agriculture, that's when we've started this sort of long process of, of adaptation. I mean, so if you're going back, you know, 15,000 years ago, there was people didn't eat bread or grains, so it was it's was pretty much just meat, wasn't it? I presume.
2: Oh yeah, uh, this is something I could talk about a lot. Uh, if you go to look at ancient Egyptian, both the mummies and some of the statues, one of the things you'll find is that they were fat. And <clears throat> it, like, if you look at um, a good example, is they some of the film they had the fiftieth anniversary of the Apollo eleven mission. And they had all these old films of people there to watch the launch, and everybody was skinny right? And now everyone's kind of fat. And the question is, well, well, what happened, right? And it's not just that people are eating more. It's that the diet has fundamentally changed over the last 50 years. And there's a lot more sugar, refined uh, grains, and seed oils. And that was almost non-existent, you know, from the human diet. Well, seed oils didn't even exist. Uh, People ate very little sugar. I think uh, around the year 1900, the average American had like five pounds of sugar a year, and now that's close to like 145 pounds a year. Wow. So it's increased dramatically. Things like seed oils and uh, that type of uh, polyunsaturated fat did not exist. Right. We, we only had animal fats that we would have eaten. Um, whereas and the reason I bring up the Egyptians is because they uniquely among the civilizations had a diet that was very high in grains. And so you had these kind of flabby uh Egyptians and like King Tut and a lot of these other mummies had a lot more fat on them than they found in other people's, uh, like some of the ice people they find in glaciers in Europe and stuff like that.
1: That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I heard one, I don't know if it's true, but I heard that a lot, a lot of things changed in the 1970s when there was this sort of war on fat and that fat's no good for you and cholesterol and all the rest. Absolutely.
2: And and I've actually lost, uh, I gained a lot of weight traveling and I lost 60 pounds I don't know what that is. That's like one stone. I, I don't know what the conversion, but um, basically, I just I just ate meat for like three months, and I just lost a ton of weight, and I had a lot of just you know nagging little things, aches and pains that just all went away. Well, there is there is
1: right.
2: people talk about carbohydrates uh, contributing to inflammation, don't they? Yeah, and you know I I you know but prior to you know, modern food, processed food, you know, people ate bread and potatoes. I don't think it's, it's you know, putting it in your mouth is necessarily going to be harmful, but we weren't eating this refined stuff. And that's the difference. Like, you know, you if you live in the Andes, you can chew a cocoa leaf, no problem. People do that all the time. It's when you refine it into cocaine or into crack that it becomes a problem. And literally what we're doing with wheat is refining it to a point, and with sugar, you know, to a point where it's, we're just getting that refined dietary equivalent of cocaine Yeah,
1: I, I heard um, a couple of things about the post-war period in this country um, I heard a rumour that people were healthier in the early 50s when rationing was still a thing and also that uh, white bread was banned in this country for a short period because again, you, like we are talking about the processing procedure things were processed so heavily that there was there was virtually no nutritional value in it and that's when they had to start adding things and it said oh now with riboflavin and it's stuff they're having to put back in
2: because they've stripped it it of all its nutritional value yeah if you just eat normal whole foods you, you don't really need a lot of supplements uh there's a good argument to be made that agriculture itself made people less healthy uh what it did do was allow for a consistent supply of calories. So it decreased the problems of starvation. You know, that was always the problem if you're a hunter-gatherer. It's just like, well, what if, what if you go out and there's, you don't get anything? Well, then you starve and you die. <laughs> yeah. So agriculture kind of solved that problem, especially because there was a, a, a pretty big extinction event around the world of uh, large megafauna, large mammals that died off, because we probably killed them all. Uh, large oryxes in, in Europe, um, Mammoths, you know, in a lot of uh, Asia and North America, they died out. They were probably hunted to extinction, which led to the necessity of agriculture, which created a more even supply of calories, but probably decreased the, the nutritional value. And we start to see things like tooth decay, more heart disease and things like that, because we were eating a diet which were able, you know, had some benefits. You know, we got a thing called civilization out of it. But from an individual health standpoint was probably not the best.
1: No, it was a trade-off, wasn't it? Because you, you gain right. the ability to be able to store calories long-term in grain stores and whatnot, and that gives you then labour and free time to be able to exactly. have specialist. You know, uh, I'm going to be a stonemason or a tailor or whatever, or a trader, which just would not be an option without having that luxury of having food in storage. So it's a trade-off, really, and... I mean, I think it's a fair price to pay considering where we're at now, I guess.
2: Well, now we can actually figure out what is the proper diet. And we have things like, you know, refrigeration. So yeah. you could store meat in a way that you never could before. Uh, this also goes back to the topic of Gobekli Tempe. And one of the things is, well, how did, you know, these hunter gatherers or these nomadic people manage to build these large structures? Because it makes sense if you're, you know, in a, agricultural civilization how did they do it if they were nomadic one of the theories i heard is that they did it basically you know they would come to this place in the summer and you know when things were relatively abundant and they would build this and it, it occurred over a period of maybe you know many many years it right. wasn't just something that was had. they had a dedicated workforce for
1: i mean the, the the issue i would have with that is because is i'm pretty sure there are astronomical alignments at gebekli tepe and and if that's correct then that Presupposes that they were an agricultural society because why? Why else would you bother with with astronomical um, observations if it's not for agriculture?
2: Agriculture didn't necessarily have to be a a binary thing. So I'm sure the first agriculture was you know you're at a hunting camp and you throw some seeds on the ground and the next year you come back to the same camp. It's like oh that plant is there now, and they kind of figured it out. So it 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 might have been a type of we plant something we leave. And we come back and we harvest it. So it wasn't a, you know, you have to plow the fields every day and stuff like that. So I'm guessing that was kind of how it originated. So it wasn't, you know, it's something we we did over a period of centuries or millennia. So there probably would have still been good reasons for tracking the stars. And I'm sure people did it well before that, just because what else was there to do at night? You (laughs) You know, when is the hunt? When is the migration going to happen? Uh, yeah. Being able to plan those sort of things. Well, oh, this star is at this level. We need to start moving over to our hunting grounds now, so we're there in time. Uh, yeah. So I think there still would have been reasons.
1: Yeah, it's sort of seeing the dawn of agriculture is not a, a an immediate change, but a gradual process that maybe took thousands of
2: years. And I, that don't that just makes sense to me, right?
1: Yeah. Um, unless, you... unless an ancient civilization came and gave you all the uh, the knowledge
2: overnight. Yeah, that I'm not too big of a a fan. You know, extraordinary claims need extraordinary evidence. And I think a bunch of uh, drawings on rock that look like a guy with a handbag is not really
5: the
2: most convincing argument. I think there's going to need to be more than that.
1: Oh, we need to we need to get you talking to Ryan Seven about the handbag, don't we?
2: Uh-huh. And you
1: know exactly what I'm talking about. So, oh yeah, we, we <laughs> Ryan Seven who came on. Well, it was before the lockdown, wasn't it? Several months yeah. ago, but oh, okay. he pretty much talked for an hour about the handbag. <laughs> <laughs> he he had an article published on Graham Hancock's site about the uh, his handbag theory. He's got a book mm. coming out soon. I think.
2: I mean, it's interesting, but yeah, it's a bag, right? I mean. <laughs> I don't, like I said, it's interesting, but I don't think that it it proves the existence of a civilization or, you know, the other thing is like, Oh, we saw this Egyptian hieroglyph and it looks like a guy in a space capsule from the 1960s. (laughs) Therefore they had space capsules. Yeah. And to me, you know, strangely enough, the space capsule was, you know, just the 1960s. It wasn't a space shuttle. It was, that version and it's like L. Ron Hubbard saying oh the the aliens you know their their spacecraft look just like DC-8s which happened to be the spacecraft at the time he wrote it in the 1950s. Not a Concorde not a 747 but a DC-8 um, <laughs> coincidentally enough No, so yeah, that, that's kind of where they lose me
1: <laughs> I think you're right when you say extraordinary claims need extraordinary evidence I think that's a good uh, mantra to uh, live by <laughs>
2: So, you know, I can't say it's not true. No. But I, I I just, you'd need more to convince me. More data is required. Right. Now, if they find one of these bags <laughs> and there's, like, <laughs> some stuff in it, okay, then we got that, that's a different story. Like a, like a Tamagotchi and a, <laughs> <laughs> a Rubik's Cube or something. Yeah, it's like a book. It's like your very first farm, <laughs> and it just tells you <laughs> what to do to grow this stuff it's like how to build a pyramid. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, don't get us started on
1: the pyramids. <laughs> I presume what's what's um, your favorite place in Egypt to visit?
2: Um Luxor is a really great, you know, the stuff around Luxor, there's so much stuff around there. Um I went down and also I went down to uh, Ebu Simbel, which is you're getting pretty close to Sudan at that point, Mm -hmm. which I'd actually, I haven't been to Sudan, but I really want to go visit some of the pyramids because, you know, it doesn't just end at the Egyptian border. It actually just keeps going into there. Um, Some really cool stuff in Ethiopia as well that I got to visit. Uh, Axum, that uh, I, I I, I originally, that was the first Grant Hancock book I read about the, the Mm -hmm. Ark of the Covenant, the sign and the seal. Yeah. Yeah. Which actually later I found out someone actually did sneak their way into the, uh, (laughs) covenant building in ethiopia and he, the guy said it was just a replica i think this was like in the, the 40s or something that happened yeah so
1: <clears throat> yeah it's a famous story of the blind priests isn't it who uh, supposedly guard the ark of the covenant but...
2: um actually the the coolest thing now that i think about it, the coolest thing in egypt that i got to see was i did a dive off of uh the the pier in alexandria and you can see the ruins of the lighthouse of alexandria that are still underwater Wow. And not a lot of people are aware of this. Yeah. And it's a, it's a really interesting, probably the only archeological dive that I've done. Um,
1: wow. You didn't find any old scrolls or anything with the secrets <laughs> of the universe. No, but
2: there were, there were a few like Sphinx statues, uh, that were buried, but mostly it's just big blocks. And <laughs> a lot of the blocks were used for a, a fort that's currently on the site of it, uh, Fort Katabe, um, yeah, that's a that's it. a
1: common theme, isn't it? Things get reused, and and like if you you're saying you were in Jerusalem, you'll uh, or Cairo, there'll be bits of, of old Egyptian
2: ancient stone that's been reused
1: in in the city.
2: Oh, you'll see that all over, including in Europe. Uh, if you ever go to the t- uh, to Pisa in Italy, mm. ignore the Leaning Tower; that's not the important part. Go to the cathedral itself, and you'll see all these blocks with like bits of Arabic writing and stuff on it that are like, you know, sideways and things like that. Cause they used parts of another building to, to create the cathedral. And yeah, you see that all over <clears throat> the, the marble that used to clad the Colosseum in Rome. Most of that is now in St. Peter's Basilica. Wow. Cause they just used it as a, as a quarry because they had all this marble sitting there and oh, that's yeah. why it looks so naked today.
1: Cracky. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, we we're, we're rocking up to an hour already. I can't believe our quick yeah. it's gone. But um thanks for coming, Gary. Is there anything you need to you need to add? I mean we'll we'll be posting the links and everything on the show notes, but where do where do we need to send
2: people? Uh just you know, search for the podcast. Just search for everything everywhere daily. Um that's where they can find me. And uh yeah, thanks. I mean I didn't expect to be on the show because no one expects the Amish Inquisition.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been great. It's been really great to have you. Thanks for coming. It's been great and informative as usual. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, yeah. best if you ever have,
2: want to have me back, just let me know. Oh, that's great. Thanks a lot. Lots of lots of stuff I we never even touched on that I've talked no. about. Oh yeah, yeah, w- sure, definitely.
1: I want to ask you about the carnivore diet, but that's going to have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty easy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> eat meat <laughs> but it's gotta be Actually, cool the only thing to toss in is you know make sure it's high fat uh, toss in some organ meat like liver and stuff every so often and then I also try to eat sardines and then some other fish because there's yeah. some nutrients in there that you're you, that may be in, in lower amounts and if you do that you're kind of gold it's pretty simple it's not like being a vegan um, <laughs> where you gotta do it right and you're still gonna get sick in three years <laughs> Well, you're right. You really don't need any supplements. You don't need any, you know, anything. No.
1: <clears throat> well, it's been brilliant. Thanks for coming, Gary. Um, Thank you. Stick around while we play ourselves out, and yeah. we'll, we'll be back in a minute. Don't forget to check the website and the podcast out. Okay. See you in a bit, eavesdroppers. Two minutes. Cheers.
0: Right, we're back.
5: The dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of madness.
0: Uh, Everything's under control. Situation normal.
5: That was our ah. chat.
1: That was our chat with Gary Arndt from Everything Everywhere.
3: Yeah, well, he, was, he was a lovely man, wasn't he? Great yeah. guest. And hopefully he'll come back, won't he? He'll be, he'll be our travels correspondent now. <laughs> oh, we'll visit him when he
4: comes to the north of England, which is yeah. everyone's bucket list.
3: He never mentioned Manchester, did he? So... No. Or Preston for that matter. Or Blackpool.
1: With good reason probably. <laughs> no, it's good. He it is very very knowledgeable on all sorts of different subjects. It was interesting, I thought. Yeah. I'm sure you'll find it interesting as well, eavesdroppers. Obviously. Um it's slightly embarrassing when a guest from a foreign country teaches you about your own country. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's all about the learning process. Yes. So, should we move on? Should we do some housekeeping?
5: Yeah, why not? Housekeeping. Housekeeping. Housekeeping.
7: housekeeping. I'm a blind man.
1: What do we need? iTunes reviews. How iTunes many iTunes reviews? Yeah, uh, e droppers are getting sloppy this week. Why do you, What do you mean?
3: We haven't had any new ones. What? Oh. No iTunes reviews
1: this week. None. No. Leave sloppers. Shocking behaviour. Right. Well, pull your fingers out, eavesdroppers. We need iTunes reviews. We need um, people to subscribe to the YouTube channel. We we'd never say this, and this is something oh. we need to sort out.
4: Mm. Yeah, we're going to jazz it up a little bit. I've had an idea about that. But I need to sort to you uh, behind closed doors.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds sexy. <laughs> mm. Uh, <laughs> follow us on social media uh, Instagram is the best place to be that's where we are yeah. most active
8: hot
4: at the moment Yeah, mm. Instagram
1: um, and you need to uh, if you want to become a producer there are myriad ways of doing it yeah. you can send us articles, you can send us videos news stories <laughs> you can contact us everywhere we're very friendly Mm. Um, I got a comment from Anne Luluni this week. You guys are hilarious. <laughs> I was. Li- <laughs> I listened to this episode yesterday, and I was cracking up with you. Laughter is the oh. best cure for all the craziest craziness going on these days. Oh, that's nice. It is, isn't it? So, uh, thank you, Anne. You become a producer of uh, episode one four seven. Congratulations, uh, we- Anne. Yep, congratulations. Um, put it on your LinkedIn
9: yeah we'll, yeah, absolutely. we'll back link
1: to us up. we're on LinkedIn
4: yeah it, we'll do, we'll do what, that thing what's the thing you do on LinkedIn where you, you can you'd say link good something give them props yeah we we'll see <laughs> Anne's a great producer I believe it's yeah. called
1: an endor- uh, an endorsement that's
3: oh, the
4: know. one yeah
3: yes.
1: right okay um,
3: the other thing as well is are we going to mention that how we're blowing up in India <laughs> <laughs> we're blowing up india we're not blowing up india we are blowing up in india in, India. <laughs> how does that work
1: why is that happening
3: because we're just getting loads of listeners from india at the moment looking at our stats okay well so, he- hello our indian friends how
1: are you leave us like subscribe donate what's hello in uh, punjabi or whatever <laughs> what's the language in india
3: there's loads there's of them. Yeah, there's several. Yeah, we could just say hello because you know,
4: yeah, because we're, we're
1: English. Because we're English and we none of us bother to learn any other uh, any hello. other languages. Hello. <laughs> oh, yeah, say it slowly. <laughs> we should. um yes. I need to give a shout out to Adam and Surfiel from Conspiranormal, Normal Normal podcast because the Strange Realities Conference is happening. So, Ooh. Online conference for all things paranormal uh cryptids and bigfoots and ghosts Big and thing. conspiracies so that's happening September 25th through 27 if you go to strangerealitiesconference.com you can find out all the details and buy tickets and it should be great and hopefully we'll be speaking to them very soon Ooh. Oh. oh um how else do you become a producer? Amish oh, Ben uh, you
4: can <laughs> let me think we've had send us <laughs> articles you can do it anonymously anything anything you want really just t- send us a topic you want to talk about you can you can uh, and Nudes. Can you, do we still have a phone number no uh, I was gonna say you could phone up but don't do that we don't uh, we don't
1: you have to live stream if you're gonna do that oh gosh yeah what's the number one <laughs> way listening. what's the number one way to become a
0: producer? <laughs> Donate. Donate. Toss us a fucking coin. <laughs> Toss a coin to your witcher. Oh, valley of plenty. Oh, valley of plenty. I'm a blind man. Oh.
1: We need your help. So that's number eight. Uh, I think we should thank our producers for this that number, wank?
3: A number one? What? The boss.
1: What did I say? <laughs>
3: It sounded like you said that's number wank. <laughs> that, that's number wank? Yeah. Number, number wank. I haven't never watched wank. Do you remember it from the Michelin and Webb yeah.
1: show?
0: <laughs> yeah, I do. I just didn't know I'd said it.
1: Uh, uh, right, let's thank the producers for episode 147. We have and Luluni, Adam and Serfiel, CA Alexa, Chad Rich Rickman, Vera Lynn (laughs) Vera Lynn Lynn from the grave Gav Gav Scott from the Langshire Hot Pod, Full Metal Keto as fuck and (laughs) Anonymous (laughs) it really warms the cockles of my heart every week when we get help from our producers so this one goes out to you (laughs)
7: They are yeah. so amazing in
0: their love. I'm a blind man. You're wrong and you're a grotesquely ugly freak.
10: I've been coming to terms with that I am gay. <laughs> like a judgment day intimidating mode like.
4: The dwarf, the cripple and the mother of madness. I imagined the
1: carrot was my penis. <laughs>
0: thanks very much
1: I think that's the uh, is that all the housekeeping done um, yeah yeah I, it I, is I, yeah are we going to talk about our correction
3: are you going to do the correction oh. what correction I'm unaware of a correction are you going to play have you got the have you not got it lined up for us
1: correction incoming <laughs> <laughs> We weren't really lying. We don't lie on purpose, but what is the correction, Amish, Matt? Can you not, you not remember? We've shared some
3: fake news, ah. some fake research on Instagram. No. And enlighten. it was shut down. On post, was shut down. Enlighten me. Um, the someone uh, posted the graph showing the hydrochloroquine and the countries that had used it... Um, they had less deaths or whatever and then it's been fact-checked by an independent body something called i don't know science free science people yeah and um they've said it was a poor research
1: basically right this is a it's a bar chart and it has countries that advocate hydroxychloroquine yeah. on one end and uh, countries that have outlawed the use of hydroxychloroquine and the Shows that the per capita death rate in the hydroxychloroquine banned <laughs> countries is significantly higher, and this has been fact checked. Yeah, did you go and uh, look at the fact checking? I tried to read it. The main, the main,
3: um, I want issues, to fact check the fact checkers. <laughs> no. It was the main when isu-
4: will it end? <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> the main issue was the uh, from memory was that they had not included some data from countries that had higher deaths with hydrochloroquine use, I think is what they were saying. Um, Plus something about the sample size. They were like the the authors were claiming a ridiculous sample size like of 2.3
1: billion. Yeah, this was... That's impossible. This is the biggest problem is that they claimed 79% uh, Decreased mortality in hydroxychloroquine countries. Um, it doesn't alter the bar chart. Um, so I would disregard that. It's irrelevant. It's, it's poorly done um, statistical, statistically, but yeah. it doesn't change the bar chart.
3: Well, no, I think what they were saying about the bar chart was they were they didn't, the bar chart would have looked different if they'd included Spain and Germany, I think they said, because they, had used hydrochloroquine, but had higher deaths or something.
1: Spain and Germany used hydroxychloroquine as a last resort for people on ventilators who were about to die.
3: There you go, you see.
1: That's why. And if you look at the protocol for hydroxychloroquine, it has to be implemented within five days of infection, not a day before you die. (laughs) So that's why those countries were omitted. I mean... When do we get our apology? Yeah. <laughs> well, you're not going to get it because Orange Man bad. <laughs> oh, orange Man He bad. can't be right. He can't be shown to be right. Can you imagine the fallout? Has he been right on anything? Probably not. I mean, with,
4: with
3: he's course. going to build that wall. Yeah. Build
1: A beautiful wall, like his hair.
3: It's going to be beautiful.
1: Well, oh, you know, off. you've brought us into COVID news now. Yeah. Uh, segway.
9: COVID-19 news. Every single person can make a difference. Every person, family, community, and
0: nation must make their own decisions. I just want to be frank about this, because every time I heard the message about wash your hands... Hi,
6: right, so I'm just um, in my car on the way to work.
7: This morning, as COVID patients melt across the country, the mass debate is intensifying. People are very passionate on both sides of the great mass debate. The partisan mass debate is heating up. You know, it's just, you know, super painful. but
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, first, we've got so much to get through. I've got fucking two sides of A4 of oh, shit to get notes. through. It's not all COVID, you'll be glad to know. Oh, oh thank down. God. Uh, this is an old story. It's from May, and this is from our Antip- Antipodean friends. <laughs> Antipodean? Yeah, yeah, but it's recently beginning traction on social media. So I've got a clip, and it's all about the surveillance state in Australia. Oh, God. came Weekend Edition.
10: Welcome back. New video surveillance technology will be rolled out next month to help Australian businesses maintain social distancing in the workplace, powered by artificial intelligence. The system includes contact tracing and COVID-19 mask detection capabilities without the need for a phone app.
8: As more Australians head back to the office and factories, a new tool will be activated on June 1st to make enforcing pandemic distancing rules easier. Developed by Motorola Solutions, this smart surveillance system will watch where people walk and where foot traffic is causing close contact. It will record it and report it for action. Artificial intelligence is doing all the heavy lifting, so real people don't have to watch hours of video. For example, if wearing a mask is a company policy, you'll be flagged by the system when you're not wearing one.
7: We take our role as practitioners of responsible AI very seriously And pay particular attention to designing products that empower decision makers and also design for privacy.
1: Design for privacy. That's interesting. How's that work? (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck are they saying? It's an an AI system that looks at the cameras. Like CCTV? Yeah, any camera anywhere right and it it draws lines between each person and measures it to triangulate that they don't come within six feet and it uses facial recognition to uh identify whether they have a mask or not and then uh, and then they'll just post you you, fine won't they it'll just go out it's like getting a parking ticket won't it It just come in mail
3: (laughs) oh well how can they recognize your face you've got a mask on I suppose you will have a mask on, will you? you... The cameras always follow you home. <laughs> oh, fuck. It's a computer doing it. It's not a guy you has to do, you know. Oh, no. We don't want that, do we? I don't know. I thought it was and interesting. The, the Australian's doing quite well, you know, with the number of cases.
1: Have we not been talked about this? And it's like, you know. That's yes, like... it's getting worse now because it's getting cold.
3: Ah right, yeah, wasn't it? it? was the summer, wasn't it? Yeah. People
1: are going to be staying indoors in in with in be, no. houses. It's going the
3: other way now, isn't it? Yeah, it's For so them, it's getting for spring now, isn't it? In Australia, I think yep. they're in the middle of winter now. Not they? Mint, winter, spring, tomato, That's tomato.
1: Oh, anyway, it's irrelevant. <laughs> I've got a um, next clip. I'm rattling through. COVID. Oh, God. Right. Okay. I've got a statement from Dr. Ted Ross, not a re- real medical doctor. Any um, relation? To By anyone else. Who's Ted Ross? Yeah, I presume so. Otherwise, how would he exist? <laughs> <coughs> Who's Ted Ross? Dr. Ted Ross from the NWO. <laughs> Sorry, the WHO. <laughs> That's and had to go. NWO's <laughs> New World Order. Yeah, Dr. Ted Ross from the New World Order. He uh, came out with with a, a statement which is quite, I think it's quite worrying at the end.
9: Every single person can make a difference. Every person, family, community and nation must make their own decisions based on the level of risk where they live. That means every person and family has a responsibility to know the level of transmission locally. And to understand what they can do to protect themselves and others at the same time we will not we cannot go back to the way things were throughout history outbreaks and pandemics have changed economies and societies this one will be no different in particular The pandemic has given new impetus to the need to accelerate efforts to respond to climate change. The pandemic has given us a glimpse of our world as it could be. Cleaner skies and rivers.
1: Livers? (laughs) (laughs) Things will not and cannot go back to the way they were. Well, it's not up to him, is it? So, you know. Well, he's just told you, and he's from Um, the New World
3: Order. Well, no, he's wrong, isn't he? Because, you know, business, 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 numbers, numbers, numbers.
4: In the next breath, he says that pandemics have been going on for and we just carry on.
1: No, that's (laughs) the exact opposite of what he says. When a pandemic happens, society changes forever. Uh, He he says this one will be no different. Things will not and cannot go back to the way they were. That's what changed
4: forever after 1918? I mean, loads of stuff uh, changes all the time. Thing, You know, the world is a lot different to, when, to after the previous pandemic.
8: Yeah, but I don't know
4: what direct changes have been made. There are probably some, yeah.
1: I thought that was pretty sobering, really i don't think it's just 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 on the leftist agenda isn't it of climate change basically well this is what we're going to see is is pivoting back to climate change and using covid as a, a springboard to implement the covid the covid crisis to address the climate crisis yeah there's going to be parallels drawn and it's going to be used as a i think i think that's where it's going but anyway. I think he probably has a point, doesn't he?
3: Some things will change, like you know. I'm pretty sure a lot more people will work from home more often. Like we've talked about that loads, haven't we? So you yeah. know, that's probably one thing that will change. It might have a, a beneficial impact on um, CO2 levels. Yeah, but, less commuting,
4: um, less crowded I, trains.
3: I was reading as well about uh, this. Is like a one paper though. I think saying it something on the lines of um, if we reduce uh, if we start using carbon capture on you know, the big machines that suck carbon dioxide out of the air, um, it might impact um, crop yields and growth yeah. and the world might starve, <laughs> is what he said.
1: Yeah, because uh, of it. the amount of energy it's going to need to run these carbon capture machines, around 30%, I think it said, of humanity's energy generation <laughs> is going to go into carbon capture. And so oh, it's going right, to okay. cause famines.
9: <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey! Something to look forward to. Yeah.
4: Pick your apocalypse.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> I was... Um, oh, I'm saving that for the last scene. The apocalypse, because I got fucking freaked out last night, but we'll come to that later. Oh, no. Uh, because you know how much I love Eamon Holmes. You do like him, don't you? Eamon, Six. Eamon Holmes is... um is a morning weekday TV presenter who presents a show called This Morning during the school holidays. Mm. And uh, he was dropping some mad science on This Morning (laughs) This Week.
0: I just want to be frank about this because every time I heard the message about wash your hands, I assumed it was about because the bug is living somewhere, this bug is being spread to me. But there is a growing worry when you say wash your hands and not shake hands when this pandemic ends, this is a rule that probably should still apply. There's growing worry that the the, the COVID nineteen uh, germ uh. can spread through your feces. Right, feces. <laughs> a bit of emphasis. Feces. I just want What's to be frank feces? about this because. Every time I heard the message about wash your hands, I assumed it was about because the bug is living somewhere, this bug is being spread to me. But there is a growing worry when you say wash your hands and not shake hands, when this pandemic ends, this is a rule that probably should still apply. There's a growing worry that the the COVID-19 germ can spread through your feces, (laughs) which is why hand hygiene is so important. Am I right or wrong on that?
8: Yeah, there's a growing body of evidence. There's over about 50 studies now that have showed the first the virus can be shed through the feces. There are some studies that show that live virus can be do it that way. And importantly, there's a growing body of evidence that's saying transmission occurs around toilets and in them areas. The good news about this, though, is that actually it's much easier to be managed with good hygiene and good cleaning regimes. And if we go to the Far East, they have a much more clearer understanding of disinfectant regimes and proper cleaning. And so we need to promote and really work hard and make our cleaners one of the most important aspects you know, tools, totally agree,
3: you know, totally agree,
0: Professor. Yeah,
1: there you go. So Heyman agrees.
0: Totally.
1: Basic anal cleanliness. Just bleach yeah. your bleach your anus. It's just bleach yeah. everything. Bleach, bit yeah. of pine, fresh. You don't want to get any feces on your hands. <laughs> <laughs> nah.
4: I mean, there's lots of other nasty stuff that's uh, that can be found in your um, in your. Feces. <laughs> oh. that you want to keep your hands clean for as well. So that, that's not a new story, is it?
1: No. <laughs> it's sort of a good rule of thumb. It's the
3: of life, <laughs> you know. <laughs>
1: because you don't want to get your thumb covered in feces. Oh, yeah, it's always the thumb, isn't it? Is it? In your house? Yeah. <laughs> um, mm. <laughs> Abort! Abort!
3: Uh, <laughs> uh, Actually, when when I'm doing the baby, <laughs> just you were talking about toileting. Yeah, let to have a little little segue into baby toileting stories. Oh, I should have a jingle for that. You yeah, should do really. Um, I was just I was getting the youngest, fifteen month old, uh, ready for his bath. Mm. Um, he so he took his nappy off. There's a little bit of a. A little bit dirty, so it looks like... What was, what was what was in the nappy? Was it feces? <laughs> a streak of feces, yeah. yeah. Um. And so he took the nappy off. He did a... a obviously because the, the air touching his winky, he immediately weed on the floor. Yeah. And then he started walking around, and then he came back to his mum, slipped over in his own piss, and went <laughs> around in it. It's a big, horrible, yellow piss. Uh,
1: and uh, fell uh, over uh, in... <laughs> You don't, you don't want to fall in... You don't want to fall down um, in general. Made, that made my wife laugh. <laughs> she laughed. was. She
3: laughed. She's never laughed that hard for years. It's like the purest form
1: of slapstick, probably. It is, yeah. <laughs> falling over in your own excrement. Yeah, it goes oh, back but... to get Beckley Tepe days. Yeah. But yeah. the other thing about falling over in the bathroom is...
7: You know, it's just, you know, super painful. But... Super painful.
1: <laughs> yeah. It is. It was uh, all right, though. It all right. It fine. We'll uh, move on to the next story. Did you hear about the healthcare worker who went viral this week? I happened to just watch the video. Quite attractive young lady. Very photogenic. Is she going to come onto the podcast? Oh, I didn't even think about asking her. No. Anyway, she's called Louise Hampton, and uh, she's under investigation from her employer, KUK, at the moment, because of this video.
6: Hi, so I'm just um, in my car on the way to work and I thought I would show you my certificate of bollocks. Here's my certificate of bollocks and it says this certificate, well it says certificate at the top and then it says this certificate certifies that Louise Hampton made a difference to patients NHS COVID-19 response, thank you signed 25th of june 2020 by kevin brown the national iuc director okay and i also got a badge as well it's somewhere in my bag but i can't find it at the moment um yeah so i made such a difference to the nhs covid response um that's my proof i have my uh nhs badge there i'm an nhs worker I always have, I also have a smart card which GPs have to access the system and your details and shit like that um, Okay. so yeah, I'm, I'm an actual NHS worker and apparently I worked really hard during Covid Did I bollocks? That's why it's a certificate of bollocks Because our service was dead, we weren't getting the calls, it was dead Covid is a load of bollocks So this is my certificate of bollocks For everyone to see okay? And I didn't clap for the NHS I didn't clap for myself Because why would I clap for myself When I did fuck all (laughs) There you go I'm on my way to work Love you, bye
3: Um, I'm a little bit scared of her now (laughs) Why? Let's
4: get her on the podcast
3: Yeah She might beat me up Um what what does she do? Is she an ICU nurse? Is
1: that what she was saying? No, I she did think. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, she does nothing. I think she works for the one 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 service. Oh,
4: they, oh No, a right. track and tracer
1: or anything. Oh no, no.
4: Well,
1: uh, well, then, I you don't know, know. I don't know. That's what I if heard. It's actually works for one one one. Okay, if she works, if she works for one one
3: one, and she isn't a nurse, then I don't think she would have been that busy cuz a lot of people stayed away didn't they what from falling on
1: Yeah. oh i don't know yeah.
3: just like everything else all the referrals went down for lots of places
1: oh so you agree then that the the, the the they were all dead nothing
3: was happening i don't agree because oh, no. i don't know what her service how busy her service was but um i know that uh, like when we we've talked about it, haven't we? When they cancelled all kind of like the non-urgent operations. People on like cancer waiting lists and things like that got cancelled, didn't they? There
1: was a guy. So, yeah. There was a guy on this morning this week, and um, he was meant to have an operation in February mm. for uh, I think it was bowel cancer, and obviously it got cancelled. Mm. And uh, he's been back recently, and he's been told it's terminal. For Fuck's sake! And See, it, this is what I mean. It looks about forty years forty years old.
3: Right, so it's the thing, isn't it?
1: Um, Sarah Harding has been in the news this week. She announced mm-hmm. that she has terminal cancer. It was, it terminal? was terminal, yep. Is it, yep. Oh. Sarah Harding, yeah, she's got terminal cancer and apparently was diagnosed in January. Oh, right, was okay. her care impacted? The, you know, uh, there's a great guy, there's a guy called Dr. or Professor Carol Sikora who's pretty active on Twitter and he's a, a leading oncologist and um, he's saying like we're on a, we're sitting on a cancer time bomb because of this thing. Some of the estimates, some of the the top end of some of the estimates are 50,000 excess cancer deaths over the next few years. But you know, we, uh, we just went off Neil Ferguson's uh, doomsday scenario, didn't we? And we didn't take any of that into consideration. Oh, how's Sweden doing? Lower death uh, cap per capita than us. Yeah. So Today, and then called, they COVID deaths from COVID. They also made the mistake of seeding it into the care homes that we did. <laughs> so I mean, they this they, they they did a shit job, and they still <laughs> they still ended up better than us. But there's all sorts. The thing is, you have more single person households in Sweden. I'd imagine the Swedes are less obese than us. There's all sorts of other factors. Mm. We're not going to know the truth of this for years, and we're still not going to know it, because as previous guest Malin said, we're that shit at the statistics <laughs> and recording everything that we risk sacrificing the ability to learn anything from this crisis because of our incompetence. Mm. Yeah. So that's a happy note. <laughs> right, let's go to uh, Australia. Antipodean, you know it's all been kicking off in Victoria, you know, with the yeah yes. curfews and lockdowns and whatnot, and with drones, drones. Yeah, the Victoria Premier Daniel Daniel Andrews has been criticised again this week. For, again, yeah. Oh, crack! I'm on the wrong. I'm on the wrong page. Oh.
0: Daniel Andrews is being accused of a power grab as he looks to extend Victoria's state of emergency for another year. As Reid Butler explains, it would give authorities power to keep enforcing mandatory quarantine and mask wearing.
7: Military and police patrolling our streets. It could be the norm until September next year.
0: That's not something anyone's happy about, but we don't have the luxury, any of us, to ignore the realities that we face.
7: This is not the act of a Democrat. This is the act of a Premier whose power has gone to his head. The Premier is introducing legislation to extend the state of emergency for 12 months.
8: We've got to protect public health.
7: I don't want to give
4: the government a blank check on power for another 12 months.
7: The push to have more power to enforce restrictions comes amid a drop in infection numbers. The state has recorded 116 new cases. That's the lowest increase since July 5. With 17 reclassified, the double-digit net increase brings our total to 80. percent 18,330. As for active cases, they continue to rapidly fall, dropping by almost 300 since yesterday.
3: Sorry, I was daydreaming through that. What's going on?
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Their
4: active cases are dropping.
3: Right. Why, why is it a power grab?
4: Because he want- wants to maintain the powers to uh, monitor mask wearing and
1: all that for another year. Uh, Extend the state of emergency for another year till September next year. Okay. so Because that gives you more power, basically. Yeah. Right. Creep. Yeah. It's the guy, you remember the uh, head of the police who was smashing people's car windows to drag him out to, ta- to get the name? Oh, uh,
9: yeah.
1: It's the same state. In Victoria. Yeah,
3: this is Victoria, isn't it? This is this issue with the tower it was first started
1: with this tower block story, didn't it? Yeah, and they made a fucking mess of that. <laughs> but three thousand odd active cases. You know, how like, many people live in Victoria? Fucking millions, probably. Probably over a million. Melbourne, mm. no more, Melbourne's in Victoria. What's the popular it? Melbourne's a big city?
4: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So uh yeah, I don't know. Um, there's been several backlashes this week to the lockdown restrictions in various countries. Oh, yes. Oh, we've got something from um, Deutsche Welle. Where do we go for news on
3: Berlin and <laughs> <in> Germany? <laughs> Deutsche Welle!
7: Thomas, you say police counted 18,000 people before breaking up the protest. What can you tell us, though, about these
5: demonstrators? I can tell you that it's a mixed bag of demonstrators. It's, they have very different opinions, very different uh, views, very different goals as well. If, if there's one goal that maybe unites them all, is the fact that they're against those coronavirus restrictions, they're against the way the government has handled them. But apart from that, you can clearly say that they have very different views. There are anti-vaxxers here, there are far-right extremists, there are conspiracy theorists uh, here, there are uh, parents who say they are from the middle of Germany's society, from the middle class, and simply want to stress their opinions and their views here, and stress uh, that they oppose what the government is doing. So you can clearly see a mixed bag, a wide variety of people gathering here, but they're all against the way the government has been dealing with the coronavirus uh, crisis and the way the government has been handling the pandemic.
1: Did you get the subtle messaging in there? So Deutsche Uh, Deutsche Welle is the state German TV, it's the German version of the BBC. Right. And the subtle messaging was that if you don't agree with what the government's doing, you're either an anti-vaxxer, a far-right extremist or a conspiracy theorist. Well, no, he did say some normal middle-class people as well, didn't he? Yeah. So, you know, it's
3: everyone there.
1: There's no talk of proportionality. What do you mean? Well, he doesn't say it's 25% normal middle-class people, 25% far-right extremists, 25% anti-vaxxers, and 25% conspiracy theorists. Yeah, but he doesn't not say that, does he? But if you go to different reports that's what they all Mm. say it's far-right extremists anti-vaxxers and conspiracy theorists right okay yeah you know okay maybe they're not uh, they're not trying to stop people from protesting it might have been
3: just a mixture of anti-vaxxers far-right extremists far-right leftists and middle-class parents
1: yeah
3: and anti-vaxxers I don't know to say that Smokers
1: board. Yeah. Um, Yeah. These uh, conspiracy notes are worried that their freedoms are being removed. And that leads into... They're always worried about freedoms being removed. Let's uh, see what they say.
7: And just quickly, Thomas, now that the protest has been disbanded, does that strengthen the narrative of a state limiting the people's essential right of protesting?
5: Some people have indicated that that's precisely the case, that they're here precisely to look for more freedoms, to make sure they're respected and guaranteed, and that the fact that the uh, local authorities tried and failed to ban the protest initially, that actually reinforces their idea that their freedoms are being affected, and that's why they actually came to the streets.
3: So, did you have freedom to protest...
1: Yeah, they tried to ban it, you see. Supersede your
3: the the lockdown measures at the moment then. So, so what's going on?
1: I think it does, yeah, it should do. Right. I mean, they, they did try to ban it and they failed, so. Hmm. What's the uh, old, is it, Thomas Jefferson, Jefferson quote when he said um, people who will... Sacrifice the freedom for security deserve neither or something
3: so
1: don't know
4: fact check that it is it's yeah. w-
1: worse to that effect mm, we'll go with it <coughs> it's how you end up in a police state or a nanny state if you're willing to sacrifice your freedom for security that's the sort of the gist but yeah I don't know there's a uh, protest in London this weekend no there wasn't there was and guess who the the big name speaker was Eamon Holmes
3: Nope.
4: Raj right.
1: nope David
3: Ike. oh lord uh, mercy uh, Lizard Man oh this is our podcast taken down don't do it don't do it <laughs> <laughs> I've got He
1: spoke for 10 minutes I've just got a little one minute clip oh it's too much
4: government wants to stop. he's such a clever and articulate orator.
1: <laughs> i think he had a point on i think he had a point with the last one i
3: phased
4: oh, out what was it lizards again yeah
1: what? what's that stop rustling with your microphone me yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's that you're doing something to your microphone. And it's going. Oh, no. There's a wire. There's a wire touching it. Sorry. I forgot. Oh Jesus! A <laughs> hundred and fifty episodes. Ben. hundred and fifty. <laughs> I know. I, w- I woke up this morning and David Icke was tr- trending on Twitter. So I thought maybe the the lizard pe- lizard people had gotten to him and suicided him. <laughs> <laughs> Two to the head, <laughs> suicide. <laughs> But it wasn't, it was cause he was speaking at the thing. So what uh, w- what protests
3: are I have been government approved then? Oh, is he talking about Black Lives Matter? Is that what he means? Ah right, okay. Okay. Yeah.
1: Anyway. <clears throat> I don't know. That's all I have for COVID. COVID. I've got some I've got some US stuff. Oh God, that's just like, as Ben says, a skip fire. Yeah, and it got worse uh, yesterday as well. Some uh, uh, Trump supporter basically got executed in the street in Portland.
4: What? Portland as well, as Crazy.
3: I read, yeah, yeah. I saw something about a young boy who had his... I've just found a clip.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of Trump um, uh, supporters went in like a motorcade through Portland yesterday, I think, or early hours of this morning in the UK. Mm-hmm. And he was basically executed in the street. I've got the audio from it. Listen, oh, no. You have to listen carefully. You might, you probably should to hear it there, but the guy says, We got one. And he goes, We got a trumper right here. And then the killer says, Right here. And then bang, bang. kills. What
9: the fuck?
1: Yeah, it's great, isn't it? There is some rumor, the first word is really garbled, but someone, I've seen someone say that he's shouting medic. And apparently Medic is code for what Antifa use for their uh, death squad, basically. What's Antifa? <laughs> Anti- anti-fascist. Anti-fascist. <laughs> oh, Me, the people with... You know, these groups funded by George Soros that torch every, everywhere, and there's a riot. I one of and, them, uh,
4: and them they have...
1: The long nose.
3: And do they have... do they have hit squads?
1: What? Un- unconfirmed. Well... <laughs> Well, they just executed a guy in the street yesterday. Oh, God. So, I don't know. We'll <laughs> see. Anyway, uh, Biden's been on about the twindemic. When uh, when flu and COVID combine, and we ha- we have a twindemic. Oh, so oh, the name no. that he's made up. Yeah, it's what's going to come. That's what you'll start hearing this word in the coming months, twindemic. Oh, yeah, we will, won't we? And uh, about what Joe's potential response will be
8: sworn in come january and we have coronavirus and the flu combining which many scientists have said is a real possibility would you be prepared to shut this country down again
7: i would be prepared to do whatever it takes to save lives because we cannot get the country moving until we control the virus that is the fundamental flaw of this administration's thinking to begin with In order to keep the country running and moving and the economy growing and people employed, you have to fix the virus. You have to deal with the
8: virus. So if the scientists say, shut it down? I would shut it down. I would listen to the scientist.
3: Well, at least he knows where he is.
0: I got hairy legs.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but I think that's just a bit of prepping. Prepping for a second second shutdown, maybe.
3: Yeah, probably it's going to happen. probably will happen if it spikes again, won't it?
1: Yeah, in winter.
3: Well, the say. thing is, is, if it does, you know, if hospitals do fill up again, then maybe it does. Things need to stop again, don't they? I don't know. Well, I
1: think we've flattened the curve, haven't we? Yeah,
3: we've flattened the curve here, but if it starts picking up again, infection rates, we with- that's square one. Chain- exactly, yeah. But then when does it stop, kind of thing? This is the problem. When
4: you have your mandatory vaccine.
3: No, or, or when you have herd immunity. But this is, this is the issue is just people getting reinfected, aren't they? There's quite a lot of this in the news at the moment, isn't there? One guy in Korea. No, there's another one. Uh, yeah. yeah, well, all
1: right, two out of 2.7 million. It's not an issue. Yeah, you're going you're gonna, to yeah, get that. It's just biological variants, that. And it's just
4: good reports, good Good journalism. There, one that's uh, Skir- one. Like, us with with one
1: guy shit. reinfected. Yeah, yeah. I found it's good, this one guy. Good skirmandering. inches. Uh, um, did you hear uh, Nancy Pelosi being asked if the debate should go ahead? The mass oh. debate. No, the presidential debate.
4: All
1: oh, right. <laughs> no. No. That's no. Not
4: okay. If only we had a clip.
9: I myself, just don't tell anybody I told you this, especially don't tell Joe Biden, I don't think that there should be any debates. I do not think that the President of the United States has comported himself in a way that anybody has any association with truth, evidence, data, and facts. I I wouldn't legitimize a conversation with him. Nor a debate in terms of the presidency of the United States.
1: I just love the beginning. Don't don't tell Joe Biden I said this. She's talking to the press. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, Yeah. I she mean that's what she's doing. Well, it's just isn't it incredibly transparent?
3: It's just muddying the waters, it would be preparing
1: them for not having a debate, isn't she? Yeah, but how how stupid do they think people are when she says, "Oh, don't tell Joe Biden this." <laughs> Come on, you all know he's fucking losing it, and it, they don't want a debate to go on. Don't pretend like Joe Biden's up for a debate. He's not left the house for fucking eight months. Mm. You know the the plan is to just keep him in his basement, keep him in there for as long as you can. Don't let him talk to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird that it's come to this. You know, that's the best guy they could get. Yeah, we've
3: been in a similar situation, though, haven't we? We've watched her face. Theresa May? Yeah.
1: She flat didn't turn it down, didn't she? That's right. She did turn down the debates. Who would she have it's been debating? Corbyn? Corbyn Cor- Yeah, we we're scared. The That's Co- going we're going to say the Corbynator? The Corbinator, yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, Magic Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right, you've, yeah. you found a good clip the other day about um the polk county sheriff's department terrifying this isn't it let's listen but oh bit of a pause there it'd be in.
7: but we have received information on social media that some of the criminals were going to take their criminal conduct into the neighborhoods i would tell them if you value your life you probably shouldn't do that in polk county Because the people of Polk County like guns. They have guns. I encourage them to own guns. And they're going to be in their homes tonight with their guns loaded. And if you try to break into their homes to steal, to set fires, I'm highly recommending they blow you back out of the house with their guns.
1: What are you saying, Matt? You thought that was terrifying?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Why? Um, because I suppose it, it kind of... I think it kind of demonstrates the difference between the mentality of, for me anyway, gun ownership in America and here, I suppose.
1: If you were in, in bed later tonight and you hear someone breaking in downstairs, what do you do?
3: Um, send my wife down, obviously.
1: What do you really do?
3: Um... And my wife um,
1: Sword swordstick. Uh, yeah. What? Well, we... swordstick. <laughs> <laughs> Call the police. Call the police and hope they arrive in time. Yeah. Is your not? Fi- is your first instinct not to defend yourself and your family? Well, of course it is. Yeah. So what's the problem with what he's saying?
3: Um, I suppose it's the use of guns, isn't it? More fatal, more chance of killing someone. That's I, the thing. I, I suppose. I don't
1: know. I think it's just as easy for me to kill someone with that baseball bat than the as the firearm. Well, I don't know. Well, you, I think you could knock someone out, couldn't you?
3: Yeah, and then I cave the head in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, You hit someone over the head with a baseball bat. You might They're dead. Build, you might kill them. No, I think I'm pretty sure the head's caved in. You I swing a baseball so. bat at him. One, one hit with a baseball bat. Oh, yeah, I think you're drawing
1: right. a very. Someone feels safe. Yeah, you. Do you dead. say? Any, what about anything? what about a fucking candlestick in the fucking library? Yeah, that's a know, lead pipe. Cluedo.
3: <laughs> that's because they go in for like the, the final blows to finish him off, like the uh, the sickly yeah. dog.
1: Yeah, I know what you're saying. I think, yeah, you, my instinct would probably be to subdue and then restrain Yeah, for the authorities. To... Yeah, but, but if it, it came to... to it, it would be kill or be killed, then it's it's got to be death. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's controversial, for fuck's no, sake. No,
4: no,
3: no, no. No, well, yeah, if you're going to wrestle someone naked down the <laughs> stairs... <I'm> gonna... <laughs>
1: You might as well kill them, (laughs) I suppose. you
0: said too much!
1: uh, Exactly, yeah, you know. You're right, this is a fundamentally different mentality. There's an old adage that a heavily armed society is a polite society. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you're not just going <laughs> to you're not just going to call someone a name in the street. Oh, I mean, if I was a burglar, I'm probably less likely to break into someone's house if I don't know that they might be heavily armed.
9: I don't know. Yes, uh,
3: this is the issue though, isn't it? Because the fact is that America has lax gun laws, doesn't it? More people than elsewhere in the world aren't are, are they killed in by guns in America? Sorry, in America than the rest of the world. Yeah, and a lot mm-hmm. of it is because everybody owns guns, and a lot of it is is accidental use of guns, isn't it? You know, and f- family members killing other family members and things like that. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, it just doesn't. But the other thing is, is then as a society we're completely different are we in that the police aren't necessarily armed have tasers and batons and (coughs) bobby hats or whatever to beat people up with Mm -hmm. um and it's completely different there isn't it that's the it's an impossible thing to unpick isn't it
1: i think yeah They, they do they definitely have a problem with militarization of the police in america you know, there's part of that defund the police thing that sort of makes sense to me, in that you know, this shouldn't be spending money on like armed personnel carriers, and because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no. they do the some team. of them, they do the they SWAT have... team and stuff, and it's like a creeping militarization. But no, it's a fundamental right under the Constitution, under the Second Amendment, that you have the right to bear arms. But it's not exactly. a... the thing is, it's not about the home invasion. That's not what the Second Inve- uh, Amendment. says No, it's
3: about, well, it, when it was written, wasn't it? Wasn't it to do if, you know, the British came
1: back, basically? No. No, it's it's so that you'd be able to form an armed militia to, pr- to protect yourself from the government. Oh, right. About Even the American government?
7: Yeah. From
1: your own government, yeah. I, I believe, this might come as a shock to you, but your government may not necessarily have your best interests at heart. <laughs> yes, they do. Uh, have you heard of China? China, no. <laughs> yeah. What about the Uyghur Muslims who are being persecuted in China? You know, the whole point of the Second Amendment is to protect you from your own government. That's why it's there. So, you know, it's not going to happen over here, and it's probably not going to change markedly over there. But it's just an interesting point of freedom, of you know. Mm. Being a, a free person, I don't know. I'm sort of, I'm sort of pro gun, <laughs> gun pro gun laws, uh, anti gun law. To be honest, I might be. Why did you get, a, you get a shotgun then? I might be turning into one of them anti vaxxer right-wing extremist conspiracy <laughs> theorists that Welle was enlightening us. Yeah. yeah, it's been on the cards. You'd <laughs> be wearing nipple clamps scene. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, moving on. Vice President hopeful Kamala Harris was questioned about these protests. Well, peaceful protests slash riots (laughs) taking place across the US. Uh, Listen carefully to her response
2: clear that I, I know that there are protests still happening in yes. major cities across the United States. I just not seeing the reporting on it that I that right, I had that's right. for the first few weeks.
6: That's um, right. But they're not going to stop. They're not going to stop. And that's they're not. This is a movement. I'm telling you, they're not going to stop. And, and everyone beware because they're not going to stop. It is going to they're not going to stop before Election Day in November and they're not going to stop after Election Day. And that should be, everyone should take note of that on both levels, that this isn't, they're not going to let up and they should not. And we should not.
1: She endorses the rioting there. Yeah. They should not and we should not stop. You know, if she said that in this country, you could probably charge her with a hate crime. Inciting violence.
4: It's still are talking about protests or riots. I can't remember the first part of the uh, recording.
1: They call it pro- specifically
4: the, mentioning riots.
1: They call it protests, but where's the line? Everywhere's on fire.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it turned into it turned into riots quite quickly in London, didn't it? When was that? You know, those are the most recent riots in this country.
4: 2008
3: was it? Yeah, it's a long while ago, isn't it? it. One person's freedom fighter is another's terrorist, isn't it? Yeah. Margaret Thatcher said Nelson Mandela was a terrorist, famously, did not she? Yeah. Mm. Time changes, doesn't it, your perspective and who's writing the history. So, you know, and it's happening in real time. You know, the people that are protesting are protesters and there's a whole other section of society seeing them as writers.
1: I think there's, there's different... I, no, I think there are people, there are rioters and protesters. I think some okay. people are, are protesting peacefully. Yeah, probably. And yeah. some people are just burning shit. Do you remember when um, Daniel Bruce Levin was here? Mm, I and he, do remember. And he talked about clearing the table and then deciding what to pick up. That's fucking strong language because you know what clearing the table means? Burning everything down ripping it up and starting again yeah Mm. and if you've got skin in the game if you've got something to lose that's um, not very palatable is it no do you
4: think that's what's happening
1: yeah 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 I mean it's it's communist at heart isn't it
6: because I'm literally a communist (sighs)
1: I think the, the, B, the BLM movement is, is com- they want to end capitalism. That's in the mm. literature. Just get rid of the police, get rid of the prisons, get rid of capitalism. It's it's a heavily Marxist. What are they going to, they going to Marxism. Place? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard an interview. I heard an interview with two of these Black Lives Matter bigwigs. And they're talking on stage, and she she literally says, "I'm a trained Marxist." Oh, a trained one! (laughs) I should clip it because it's hilarious. Where where the fuck did she go to train? (laughs) Cuba, maybe. Yeah, Venezuela, maybe.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's working out well. But um, no, we just we've talked about this, haven't we? It doesn't work, communism. You have to have a hierarchy. And people need to earn different amounts, don't they? From that, or just, have the opportunity.
1: It's incompatible with human nature.
3: Yeah, that's the issue.
1: But you know, it's the, they're going for the utopia where humans change, and, but, but the there's always is, going to be
3: one shit. I did. <laughs> I did go onto the Black Lives Matter website because I wanted to try and find a manifesto, but I couldn't find one. This on was
1: um, this was for um, like a GoFundMe. For, right. for something because that's, that's the other thing is is they don't have a as
3: far as I'm aware, I might be wrong not I've either. had a good look through the website. I can't find a manifesto on there, so it doesn't actually say really what they want it, oh, well, it, this... there is there are sorry there is there are certain blogs and opinion pieces, and one of them is you know about defunding the police, and there's probably other ones on there have not read but there's no
1: consolidated... No, this this was from piece. the fundraising page from the UK chapter of Black Lives Matter, right. where they said, defund the police. They had, they did have a list of what they wanted. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're rudderless, really, because they've no leader. Do
4: they want to be a political party? Is that is an that name?
1: They've abandoned... No. They've abandoned politics, haven't they? That's why they are yeah. taking to the streets. Yeah. They're a post-politics um, organisation. Post-politics.
3: <laughs> um, Do you remember when everyone was
1: endorsing them, wasn't it, the Premier League teams? were they, they printed it on backs of shirts and stuff? Well, they say Black
3: Lives... This is the, the thing, though, isn't it? It's, it's the phrase, and there's the... Yes, the, 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 the organisation, isn't there? And, yeah, so everyone's distanced themselves from Black Lives Matter, the organisation, not the sentiment no.
1: of Black Lives Matter... I think might be the right way of putting it, maybe. No, because you can't disagree with it. Wow. It's such a redundant phrase. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, the worry, the worry I have is that we we sort of import a lot of this shit from the States when it's just really not necessary. <laughs> you know, as long as you've got equality under the law, that's all that matters. I think... <laughs> Yeah, but I think the, the
3: issue is is there there are a lot of people that feel disenfranchised, don't they? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, um, they don't feel like their lives matter for whatever reason. I won't understand why.
1: But it was all sparked by the George Floyd thing. You know, yeah, it's, but it's not an issue some... over here. Is it now? No. Well, black guys dying in custody. It's not an issue over here it is I don't think yeah, it is in they're comparison they're... to any other Asian or white people dying in custody
3: I don't know I think there is uh, the doesn't there is things written about more black people having to stop and search things and ah, that's more, different.
1: that's different that's profiling
3: and, and more people are black men I think dying in custody so yeah. like they
1: being sat on in similar I have read stories like that We'll, we'll check, we'll look into that, because I, I think that's a, a myth. I mean, certainly the stop and search isn't, and that's, that's racial profiling, and that goes on. And there's mm-hmm. an interesting question as to whether that's ethical or not. Mm. You know, there was a thing, do you remember when there was security checks at airports after 9-11? Mm-hmm. And there was like, uh, white haired grandmas being stopped and churched. It's like, well, you know, surely you can use a bit of common sense and realise this woman isn't a terrorist. Well, as soon as you do that, you have just discriminated. You've made a decision. She's not a threat based on her ethnicity or her age or whatever. You've just made a discrimination, and we need discrimination to make sense of the world. You know, the the problem is where it gets abused. So, yeah, there's an interesting question about racial profiling, which I'm too drunk to go into now. Hmm. We've got all the miscellaneous news to do yet. Come on, then. Quick. Um, uh, just quickly, there was a big hoo-ha about the proms <laughs> The proms this week. Did you hear about
3: it? Ah,
4: Land of
1: Hope uh, and Glory. Is it Brit- Real Real Britannia. Britannia? Not allowed to
3: Woke Real
4: Britannia. The
1: woke Broadcasting Corporation uh, decided that last night at the proms this year they weren't going to sing Land of Hope and is Glory. That- are they not? I
3: thought they weren't, again. Oh, well, yeah, this... play
1: the tune, but
4: not sing the words, I think.
1: <laughs> and uh, it was all over the news. It was on This Morning, and it was going to and through and to and fro, and finally, Bojo <laughs> the Clown weighed in, and I have his, <laughs> I have his way in here.
0: But I just want to say that, uh, and and, and they're trying to restrain me from saying this, but if it is correct, which I cannot believe that it really is, but if it is correct that the BBC is saying that they will not uh, sing the words of land of hope and glory in rule Britannia, as they, as, as they traditionally do at the end of, of last night of, of the prompts. I think it's time we stopped our cringing embarrassment about <laughs> our history, about our traditions, and about our culture, and we stopped this general bout of self-recrimination and wetness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, That's remark, I thought that was a brilliant response.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Good old Pojo. The bit at the beginning makes me laugh when he says, They're, they're trying to not let me say this. Who's they? Yeah? Who's, Who's they? There, there, yeah. is, is that Mr. Cummings?
3: Yeah, Mr. Cummings <laughs> and his clones. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh dear. So who knows what will happen. But anyway, that was just a quick one I wanted to, to get out of the way. Um, oh. <laughs> um, I've got another story from Australia. Uh, fucking hell i've been posting some doggy stuff on instagram and oh uh, <laughs> <ew. laughs> well, no that came out wrong didn't it oh i've nothing i've no nice stings to play because i'm on my my miscellaneous storyboard is full anyway technical news uh channel nine channel nine australia have this uh doggy, ah, doggy story channel. it's my favorite doggy
0: story A Parramatta grandmother attacked in her own home has been saved by the family dog. Her former flatmate tonight facing attempted murder charges. Police say he tried to strangle her until her loyal pet got involved.
10: Caesar the pit bull basking in the glory of saving his owner. Just
11: from what mum said, yeah, she... She didn't know if she was going to make it. it was...
10: Police say Susan Bandera woke up yesterday to find 32-year-old Penny Nyserulagi in the bedroom of her North Parramatta home. It's alleged he assaulted the 60-year-old grandmother and tried to strangle her. But that's when Caesar intervened, running into the bedroom and biting the
11: man multiple times. I'm really proud of him. He's such a good boy. Like, I couldn't be more happy such with a good boy. how he reacted <laughs> and just, yeah, bingo. For
1: her and Susan. Oh, he's such a good boy.
3: <laughs> he murdered the dog. Did it kill
1: the man? No, no. Oh. No, he chased him off, and he's been arrested. Just savaged him. <laughs> yeah, good boy. I say that's a good dog. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a good, good feel-good story, isn't it? um Kind of. There's a little bit, a little bit
3: more biting than I was hoping for. Maybe. Well, we're not finished. It gets weirder from here on out.
11: Really proud of him, he's such a good boy Like I couldn't be more happy with how he reacted And just, yeah, being there for her Susan was able to hide
10: in the bathroom As her alleged attacker ran from the home After being bitten by the dog The blood trail running metres up the street Susan is in a mobility scooter She was critically injured after being shot by police 11 years
5: ago I'm very angry, I'm very upset My children nearly lost their mother I died.
10: Friends of Penny say he rented the room from Susan when he first arrived in Australia from Fiji. She'd kicked him out and kept his passport. When well, he came back <laughs> his the door was closed and her stuff was outside and he was trying to get his passport out. The 32 year old was arrested last night a few streets away.
6: Is he
10: a violent person? No he's a very cool person. Zara James Nine News. <laughs> I thought the background
3: was more interesting what? than the dog. Yeah, that's that's yeah.
1: that's a fucked up situation. So she gets Isn't shot it? by the police, nearly killed 11 <laughs> years ago. Then she, yeah. takes, she takes in a lodger from Fiji. Yeah. He tries to bail, so she steals his passport. <laughs> then the guy tries to kill her in her sleep, and the pit bull <laughs> savages him and chases him down the road. It's like Quentin Tarantino. Yeah
3: fucking mental isn't it?
4: that's yeah.
1: crazy so good old channel 9 we're sticking with channel 9
4: yeah
1: uh, for, for another story I want to take you back to your childhood do you remember um, like the first time you went abroad and you would see like these big you go to like the local market and you see these giant inflatable orcas and crocodiles <laughs> and you weren't allowed them oh yeah you had to get the <laughs> next size down because you were poor it wasn't because we were poor it's just my my mum and dad
0: seemed like fun
1: (laughs) but like I'd never seen anything like them before and like the joy of of taking them to the swimming pool and all the other kids that have giant inflatables, and it's just a (laughs) fucking free for all and then you know you get to take it in the sea and stuff oh here we go and paddle in the sea just just really beautiful wholesome memories that I will cherish. <laughs> well, well yeah. spare a thought for this kid. You know. oh, no. A four-year-old
10: girl has been rescued by a passing ferry in Greece after being swept <laughs> out to sea on a blow-up unicorn. The child's worried parents called port officials as their daughter drifted away from shore.
11: At first, there's a glimmer of white in the big blue, but soon it becomes clear that this is a code red. A four-year-old girl floating in the open ocean 800 metres off the Greek coast on a giant inflatable unicorn. A crowd watches on the ferry as the crew tries to get a hold of the runaway toy, slowly reeling it towards the boat before a rescuer plucks the child to safety in a one arm scoop. <laughs> Authorities say she was swept away from a nearby beach without her parents noticing, sparking the epic rescue mission. Mom and dad now reunited with their little girl, whose adventure on the high seas is now surely the stuff of Greek legend. Elizabeth Bryan, Nine News.
3: Uh, By some string.
1: <laughs> terrifying, terrifying legend. Yeah. Is that child going to be scarred for life? Yeah. A passing ferry.
3: <laughs>
4: Massive. Must have been so big.
1: Yeah. It was a big float, but she was only four years old. So. No, I mean, the ferry must have been big, was it? Well, she was 800 metres, I think she said, from shore. Mm. Why, how did the yeah, mum and dad not realise?
3: Probably drunk. Yeah. You just fall asleep on the beach, don't you?
4: That's no, you don't. No, don't no.
3: do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing might have happened. You might have. They might have had other children, and there might have been an issue with another child. And this child jumped on the inflatable and went ah. Maybe they out and then got took
1: out by the current. Maybe there was two, yeah, four... mm. two four-year-old girls in two inflatable unicorns. Yeah, went, ah, that's not ours. Sophie's <laughs> choice. Uh-huh. I don't know. God, it's... Yeah,
3: no, I, oh, well. I, I can't think of my closest um, memory to something like that happening was on a lilo in the sea and um, <laughs> being spun round inside, inside a rip curl and <laughs> almost
9: drowning,
3: <laughs> <laughs> holding on to um, a lilo. I can remember that happening, but the thing was, is I went in a rip curl, mm. and then you know you get you got sucked out again into another one, and sucked out again, right round in the rip curl thing, spinning round. Yeah, that was a bit like.
9: <laughs>
1: and and like, uh, were really shit in the nineties as well.
9: <laughs> yeah,
1: they're not like they are now. They're, you can see them chairs that have got drinks holders in. I know exactly. Nothing like that when we were kids. No.
3: I had one that was made out of canvas. <laughs> Remember that? That was a good one. Yeah. Yeah, it won't pop like these
1: plastic uh, ones.
3: I had that for years. Sometimes you know, it was hot in the summer. I used to put it on the lawn in the back garden mm. and lie on it, pretend I was on holiday. Nice. Yeah. Next up, Go on, I got a story.
1: Of, next up, we got a story from the YouTube channel Forbidden Knowledge. And, oh no! Uh, oh, it's
7: better off forbidden. This knowledge. Check this out. Yeah. <laughs> Tony L. Lavoy's wife caught her husband and his 63-year-old mother, Cheryl Lavoy, having sex at their home in Fitchburg on May 20th, according to the local media. Lavoy's wife called 911, and when police arrived, they were told by both the mother and the son that, in fact, the sexual relations were consensual. The Lavoys also added that it was the first time that it had happened. That I don't believe. Fitchburg police charged the mother and son with incest and issued them a summons to appear on August 20th. The charge is in fact a felony. They were both arraigned and released on personal recognizance. The judge ordered them to stay away from one another. <laughs> lest us get the hose. According to local local media. Uh, And the 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 pair will return to court on October 27th for a pre-trial hearing, and do in fact uh, face up to 20 years in prison. Where's Sigmund
1: Freud when you need him? Oh, fuck me! No, fuck your mother. He
3: never, he never, he never got out of the phallic stage, did he? Oh, is that a thing? Yeah. What is it? It's nothing to do with shagging your (laughs) mum. I don't know, it might be part of the, the phallic stage actually when you're obsessed with your knob I think, basically Is that
4: Oedipus th- complex isn't
3: it? Does that
1: ever stop? <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> I might still be in the phallic stage <laughs> Maybe that's where all them fertility cults come from They just never got out of yes. the phallic stage Maybe that's what Freud would say All right, I've got a quick one here. Um, I've got some audio from a protest that happened last Saturday, and I want you to guess where this is taking place. Can you hear what they're chanting? Yeah.
3: Street?
1: Say again.
4: Church Street.
1: Nope. <laughs>
4: <laughs> ah. Um. Do you, not know what,
1: it? do you know what it's saying? T- can you tell San what San
3: they're saying? Yeah. Pe- pedophiles? Yeah. Um, it sounds
1: Rochdale. Oh, shall I put
3: you is out in, in misery?
4: Vatican City.
1: Oh, getting nearer. No, it was it was uh, it was outside the gates of Buckingham Palace. Well, but, but, what?
3: They are, you were, shouting, are you shouting pedophiles at the at the palace? Yeah. Is this because of Prince Andrew? Uh yeah. Alright, okay. I think so. That, that's fine then. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fine. That's fine.
4: All present and correct.
3: <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's yeah. The evidence is mounting, isn't it? The prince
1: against Prince Andrew at the moment. Yeah. Well, All- so, allegedly. Yeah, very much allegedly, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's not been charged with anything or been questioned. No, and, obviously not. No. Oh, under the radar, please take me there. <laughs> exactly. Just <yeah>. disappear <laughs> me to some island somewhere. No, not that <laughs> island. Not not <laughs> Island. Some other island. I, I know that place well, but. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go to Little St. James. I don't want to go to Lolita Island on the Lolita Express. <laughs> yeah, take me to um, Island. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. It's a, job he it's a good job he doesn't sweat anymore anyway, isn't it? Yeah, because um, that's what, you know, nearly dying will do to you. We should have asked... the <laughs> out
4: in Pizza Express. He never goes there.
1: <laughs> we should have asked Ian Lyons if he still sweats. Oh yeah, oh uh, yeah, yeah he will. Yeah, <laughs> Andrew's making it up <laughs> allegedly. Uh, World's richest man Jeff Bezos has been in the news this week. Bezos. Cue sure off the boldness. No, he's uh, brought the two hundred billion barrier. Richest man ever. <laughs> okay. Um, but there's been an interesting reaction to this news. I have a clip from Business Insider.
10: Demonstrators set up a guillotine outside Jeff Bezos' house to Uh protest Amazon workers' wages on Thursday. The protest came the day after Bezos' net worth exceeded $200 billion for the first time, making him one of the richest people in history. Protesters, led by former warehouse worker and outspoken Amazon critic Christian Smalls, called on the company to raise its minimum wage to $30 per hour. Visit Business Insider's homepage for more stories.
1: He erected a guillotine outside his house. Hmm. I know. Yeah. Yes.
3: It's just, uh, yeah. Wealth accumulators. Quite an interesting theory.
1: Well, it's reminiscent of the, the French Civil War. Oh yes, yeah, there's that as well as Madame Guillotine, yeah. kill the rich. Yeah. That's yeah. what. That's what happened. Yeah, there's wow. nothing new under the. sun. There's nothing new under the sun. No, it's just a cycle. I don't know. That's just. I just thought it was. Uh, uh, you know, don't kill people just because they're, they're rich. No, probably a good thing. No, he does. Complain. He does quite a lot of um, <laughs> charitable stuff?
3: stuff, doesn't he? Yeah.
1: Does he? I, do, I'm, I don't know about this.
3: does. You know, he's donated stuff. Things like that, like
4: what? A couple of pairs of jeans,
3: yeah. Key. Some old vinyl, none of the decent stuff. Like
4: no,
3: no, no. just a kajagoo goo. Yeah.
4: Um.
3: You know, this is the thing, isn't it? People, there, there might be some issues at Amazon working for Amazon. You know, um, and probably ethically is it right for him to be worth 200 billion you know that's quite an interesting question isn't it but and um, you know but it's his choice isn't it what he does with his money i think fortunately the thing,
1: the thing is um, yeah. he is not he doesn't have that money in the bank no it's stock isn't it yeah it's net, net. majority because he's the main shareholder of amazon that's his yeah. net worth and amazon is a company it could go bust tomorrow yeah. Obviously it's not, it's gonna take over the world. <laughs> yeah, isn't it pretty much has. Um
3: The only
4: the thing that's gonna hurt him more than having a guillotine outside his house is workers going on strike. And I can't believe they haven't yeah. figured that out. <clears>
1: They'd <throat> probably just get sacked. Yeah, there's a queue of people waiting for your job, mate. Mm, at the moment there is anyway, isn't there? Yeah. Um, two hundred billion was the figure. That two hundred billion has has gone up eighty five billion since January.
3: Yes, because I do remember I was talking to um, I have a friend who works for uh, Amazon, and he said he'd basically been, uh, he'd been as busy over Christmas. Sorry, he's been as busy as it has
1: i wish it could be christmas every day (laughs) it's It's basically every day christmas Christmas, yes for amazon since lockdown started yeah they're the big winners the biggest winner of the lockdown has been amazon at the expense of what um shops mom and mom and pop shops yeah and brick and mortar shops but i mean i i I was the same ones being burned down in america (laughs)
3: I, I, I've we've ordered so much stuff off Amazon yeah. recently. It's like horrific.
1: It's just so it's so easy, isn't it?
3: Especially we've got Prime. Got Prime, Prime's seven pounds a month. The telly's shit. Yeah, no, but it's for the you get the packages the next day, don't you? It's just like point. When you think about it, it's pointless. But it same can be quite handy. Sometimes.
1: You can you can get the same package for cheaper if you're willing to wait two days from a different seller. Uh, Yeah. You're paying for the convenience, aren't you? I want it it
3: now! (laughs) Exactly, yeah. It's like, you know, people can't wait anymore, can they, basically?
4: Uh, People like convenience.
3: Yeah. Instant gratification. So the issue is a lot of things, and in my area, I think, as well. Instant gratification is a bit of an issue.
4: So are these protesters protesting against convenience?
1: No, they're
3: workers. Books,
1: essentially? They're Amazon they're worker workers who want, who want more ah. money.
4: Oh, everyone
3: wants to be bees, eh? yeah, no, It's that business, isn't it? We spoke about that guy, didn't we, in, uh, in America who paid everyone $70,000 a year. Uh, he took yeah. a pay cut.
1: Yeah. His didn't, company. Didn't work well, did it? <laughs> I don't think, I don't think it worked out. It did fucking work. I think
3: it did. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Definitely worked. He Absolutely. increased his revenues. Everything went up. Productivity went up. Everything. out chat that next week. did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a great
4: success. Great success.
1: Yeah, yeah. We'll definitely see. Was. We'll see about yeah. that next week. good <laughs> <laughs> well, think going back to
3: this Bezos thing, I remember listening to a billionaire, just a regular billionaire, I think he had like one or two billion. A 10 a penny billionaire yeah and he kind of like you're really it. It quiet to, now ben can hardly hear you. he's leaning I'm back
1: asleep. yeah
3: <laughs> and um he was talking about uh trickle-down economics and wealth accumulation and he likened himself to like um so basically him he was being the the like the, the lord of the land and people workers with the serfs, yep. creating an underclass, basically. There you go. That's how people view it, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's going back to Marxism and capitalism again, isn't it? And if you don't incentivize, if you play, pay everyone the same wage, then there's no incentive there to go the extra mile. Um, oh. That's why I think it will fail, his experiment. But, you know, I don't know.
4: Is it, is it the same as um, like a, what the hell is it called? It's all over the news. We've spoken about it. UBI. So you get paid UBI in, yeah. Universal, Universal basic income. Would that disincentivise people to work? I, I think I'd, I'd want to
1: work. The problem yeah. is, is that you have like we have social safety nets and what they say is that they'll get rid of all them and have a UBI. Well, what do you do with the people who spunk the UBI at the casino on the first day and then are destitute? Do you just Workhouse. leave them Leave them to the fucking pigs? Because <laughs> you've got rid and of the social safety. No, you end up with another layer of social safety net underneath that. It's just growth, and, you know. And it's not, where do you think the fucking money comes from? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It has to be created. The state doesn't create any money.
4: Well, isn't it cheap? Wouldn't it be it's cheaper taxation. than the bill for for all the benefits
1: though? That, that's their argument. That are
4: though. also being paid for by taxpayers.
1: Yeah, that's that's their argument that you can get rid of all the benefits and have a universal basic income. And they say, what happens yeah. when your UBI guy spunks it on the first night? You leave him to die? No, you have to have another safety net so you so you have to administer that and it just it's just a cycle of nonsense a job at <laughs> i don't know i, just, I, I don't see it working the ubi i don't see the point in it
4: people will definitely spunk it on on nonsense immediately
1: i don't think we are i don't i think it's trying to fix a problem that's know. that's not not there but that the the mechanisms are already in place to 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 restrain it i mean poverty in in western society is practically it's really a, a low low rung issue the real poverty is elsewhere in the world that's where the really poor people are i think someone on the, on an average income in the uk is in the top 1% globally yeah you know and our poorest people are still better off than probably Eighty percent of the world's population. It's like slave, you know, all this talk of you know the real Britannia, and it's about slave. It's, you know, Britons will never be slaves. Wanking on about the slave trade that the Royal Navy put an end to, by the way, at a cost of fourteen hundred lives patrolling the Atlantic. Don't forget that we ended the slave trade, but you know they drag it on. Slavery is happening today. Yeah. It's happening in Libya. It's happening in in North Africa. And it's happening in Asia. It's happening in Eastern Europe to this country. Stop wanking on about the slavery that happened two hundred years ago and focus on what's happening now. You can actually make a difference. But you know, forget about that because we get cheap devices, don't we? you have got, got to put nets gotta put nets up outside the Foxconn buildings to stop people committing suicide. Why you
4: don't know, do you but, just
1: have smaller buildings? Just single story. Yeah. 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 Go, go and tell China that. <laughs> Can't fit as many people into a single-storey building, can you? That's probably why.
4: Yeah. What anyway. if you stack them? Oh, no, wait.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's rant over with for tonight.
4: Whoa.
1: I've got... Uh, we don't want to finish on that. Do you want to finish on something happy? Please.
4: Yeah. as yeah. if... so it's not smoothie-related. <laughs>
1: If you're feeling down on your luck, just keep in mind Mark Kilby from Wingham in Kent because he's been having some problems with his house.
8: Uh, well, it was hit last night around about 8.30 by um, a really a, one of the, what I call, mega trucks, but articulated lorry. Um, unfortunately, it was literally a matter of three hours, the builders packing up, um, repairing the uh, property... I'm smiling, but I really shouldn't be smiling. Uh, repairing the property from a hit back in June. And of course, this is not the first time or the second time even. It's been, um, well, we're into dozens of times. Yeah. Since you acquired the property in 2000. 2015. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously it had been hit before that. I knew that. But I didn't realise the severity of the problem. And actually it's got worse because traffic's getting heavier all the time. Uh, and, of course, uh, every time there's the inconvenience for yourself. Uh, it's it's in hours place. of to and fro with emails and uh, phone conversations with, um,
1: mm. you know, foreign lorry companies. This house has been hit dozens of times.
4: Get a ballard, man.
1: It's a listed building as well. Is it? Fucking uh, hell. Geez. Yeah, it's one of these tiny hamlets. With Little roads, you know, you, if you go down to York or some ancient city, the mm. houses are built on the fucking street, there's no pavement, mm-hmm. and the, t- the tech in fucking Arctic slurries through it, and it's in his house like every other week <laughs> <laughs> dozens of times in five years. <laughs> He's lost count, <laughs> every
3: single thing has been replaced in the house at least once.
1: Yeah, oh, the poor man, so things could be worse. You could, you, you could. know, you could be Mark Kilby from Wingham in Kent. <laughs> yeah my. let get I got freaked out last night.
3: Oh, gosh.
1: Do you know, I was thinking about my theory of, of my reinterpretation of the story of Belshazzar's Feast from the Book of Daniel. Oh, yes. As, as you do. As I often do. And I was looking for astronomical signs around 540 B.C., i think it was about that time 539 bc 540 bc to see if there would be a sign in the sky the the writing on the wall and i heard about this great conjunction do you know what a great conjunction is
4: yeah a lining of a couple of astronomical bodies
1: or more a great conjunction is jupiter and saturn specifically Mm
5: -hmm.
1: and the next great conjunction will be in what year Twenty twenty. What? Twenty twenty. It will be the closest great conjunction in four hundred years. Oh. And oh that's interesting. And then I spotted what day the conjunction was gonna be on. Uh, the twenty first of December. Right. Which is the, the winter equinox. The winter yeah. solstice. Solstice thing. The darkest day.
3: Darkest, that's it.
1: The darkest day of a very dark year. Oh, God. It's going to happen in the sign of Capricorn. The cloven hoofed (laughs) horned beast.
0: Yes.
1: What planet is Capricorn ruled by? Saturn. Satan. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That guy. And I got a little bit freaked out when I realized (laughs) that. Wow. What are we going to do on December 21st then? Stay indoors.
4: (laughs) (laughs) My baseball bat. Might not help.
3: (laughs) When you have a shotgun by then. Yeah, maybe. Might be a good idea.
1: I don't know. I just thought that was really weird and it freaked me out a bit. It's the day after our Secret Santa episode.
3: Our Secret Satan episode. (laughs) Yeah.
4: Wow, that is a coinky dink.
1: Yeah, yeah so, I think uh, I think we need to get an astrologist astrology expert on. Yes. I know nothing about astrology, very little, and uh I think it would be good to talk to someone about astrology. So maybe I should look What about Russell
4: know. Brand? What's so
3: doing?
1: Oh, an expert on astrology.
3: When you say astrology, do you mean astronomy? No, I mean astrology. <laughs> astrology.
1: That's what I just told you. All that stuff,
3: that's astrology. I, um, I did ask an astrologist when we we first started getting guests on, but she she never replied.
1: Oh dear. Oh well, her loss, our gain. We'll get a, a proper astrologist. I have to look for an astrology podcast astrologist. Yeah, there'll be some. There'll be thousands. Yeah, uh, we follow loads of astrologers on Twitter on uh, Insta. So, I should okay. maybe tap one up and uh, I think that'll be good. Yeah. Right Very then. Good. Next week's guest. Yes. Oh, God. Andrew Shatkin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We've got Andy Shatkin on next week and we're going to learn all about reinterpretations of Jesus' parables. Oh, so, I'm going okay. to fucking love that shit. Come on, Andy Shatkin we're having you next week right then i've dropped strong? my tablet that plays the music so just uh <laughs> film the dead air slightly uh, the, the wires come out as well <laughs> oh, <sorry>. oh. <laughs> oh too pissed for this it's a bank holiday i've been drinking That's heavily excitement. so a uh hey i'll tell you what you know what we need to say before we go tonight oh uh, yeah oh poor chadwick Wakanda, Wakanda Forever eavesdroppers yes. sad news really yeah. sad news I was it looking was. forward to this I, I take it the second Black Panther film's not going to happen now uh, it
4: was supposed to be 2022 wasn't
5: it was it I guess I guess. I don't
4: that's, know. that's after the apocalypse so no
3: definitely imagine, not going to
1: imagine they'll get a new one. Oh well it was sad news it was uh, really hit me hard that it's terrible yeah really so I feel, mm. feel sorry for his family Okay, see you next week Wakanda forever
6: Jesus Christ
2: Here's more from Dick Pound
6: Like a judgement day intimidating mode like
11: I got hairy legs
6: I'm literally a communist
1: I drink, and I know things. I can't have
9: children with a whore. Currents, grape,
6: can Because I'm literally a communist.